Welcome to Weed Kid Video. I'm Kimrel Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home. Packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts, Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald, to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign for a membership. There are no late fees, but unreturned tapes will be hunted down by a man who doesn't know who you are, doesn't know what you want. If you're looking for some kind of mercy, he can tell you that he doesn't have that. What he does have is a particular set of skills, skills that make him a nightmare for people like you. If you return the tape, that'll be the end of it. He will not look for you, he will not pursue you, but if you don't, he will look for you. He will find you, and he will kill you, which now that I think about it is a massive overreaction. This is Weird Kid Video. Old business? I have old business. Dope. Do it. So the last episode that was an actual episode where Brody was like here and everything. Not the fake um, episode we did in between. Yeah. Uh, yeah we did. leave me out of episodes, guys, whatever. <laughs> we did the taking of Beverly Hills. And one of the questions was, is fluoride a real thing? And is it a toxic gas? Yes, it is. A it, real thing and a toxic gas. Is fluoride the thing that's on your teeth? Not, not fluoride. <laughs> <laughs> it's fluorine. 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 Whatever it's called. The gas the that they said gas, is a real gas. And it is in fact toxic. I also have old business. Huh. Is uh, it the same piece of information? <laughs> no, it's a different piece of information. I said that I didn't know what was happening with the XFL. And I've since found out that The Rock is relaunching it in 2023. Are you serious? Yes. So look forward to XFL next year. Is it still going to be like family friendly or is it going to be extreme sport? Who knows? It's I mean, really a bad brand idea. It's kind of like family friendly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and we also made an episode without you. Yeah. We did. We did a TV did. episode. Yep. And you didn't even tell me. Nope. You just <laughs> made and released that shit and I well, saw it on Instagram going, right, okay. Well, here's the thing. I messaged you and it took you four days to return your message because I you was, were on holiday. Yes. And so therefore, <laughs> so therefore, in what world do I need to inform you what we are doing with the podcast? Was, because at that point you're absent. It wasn't because I was on holiday. It was because I was in a place with no reception. We don't care. <laughs> we did it without you. Actually, it's good to know that I the world say, will not miss me. I have to say, it was it wasn't weird to do an episode without you, but it was different. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Different tone. I can't well, wait to dynamic, listen to it. The dynamic shifts because there's not three people talking. So it's like I'm the only person who can respond to him. Yeah. And so it kind of leaves air. And and I, didn't, leaves I didn't have anybody to, to tease. I mean, yeah. I... I did a little, but yeah. <laughs> I get in trouble if when I go home. If I do, I with get to you. Do one? I who cares? Do I get to do one? A TV one? Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll I do mean, it. that's we'll the idea: is that it's not always the three of we'll us. That it'll be like whoever's available, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so if there's a reason that somebody can't do it, I yeah. think there'll be certain episodes, like when we do the um, the pilot of Twin Peaks, we'll all do that one. Yeah, man. Um, because I want to see that, and you haven't seen it, so you definitely have to do it. So therefore, that's an all three of us one. Yeah, I'm pretty keen. Also, we could do an episode where it's just you and me and not keen. Yeah. Wait, also, you'd have to do the like <laughs> the work. The work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I'm keen to do the work. I just don't feel like I'll be very good at it. Well, and just quickly, I have to just break in for those playing the drink along game. We said Twin Peaks drink <laughs> <laughs> because it's becoming a thing. It, it really is. is. That's not a very good drinking game if you only get to have one drinking episode. The X Files episode, I we mentioned Twin Peaks like true. five times. That's yeah. true, but that's on theme. 
I don't think Twin Peaks is going to come up a lot in, I say, this episode. I, wasn't there for I could perhaps try and work it into everything. I mean, you will now <laughs> that I've said that. But <laughs> yeah, I've been watching more episodes. Yeah. So we watched the pilot. I watched the second episode straight away because I was having such a good time. I was just like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to watch the second one. Also because I wanted to talk about how things change over the course of pilot to second episode. But I've now watched four or five and I'm having a good time. I never seriously watched The X-Files. I watched an episode here and there when it was on, but like I never really followed it. I'm not going to tell you what we did because you can listen to the episode. Yeah, 100%. I'm excited too. Also, I just wanted to let you guys know, Ellie is like a full fan of the pod. <laughs> okay. like, was she not before? <laughs> no, like she was listening to it because like obligations, you know, like she wanted to support her partner. Mm. But like it's so funny to just like see her because she's not a person who listens to podcasts about movies mm. and she's just like fallen down the rabbit hole. Dude, for Heathers, she stopped the podcast and watched Heathers. <laughs> that's fantastic. Like what a mad bitch. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's the goal. I know, right? Yeah. New business? This week, we are strapping in our brains and chowing down on the newest intergalactic taste sensation. It's people. We are talking about bad taste from 1987. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear your reactions to this movie. I have a moment every time when you introduce the movie where I'm just like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's right. That was the movie we watched (laughs) this week and it just hits me like a ton of bricks. Kira watched the movie this morning and we usually allow there to be one piece of conversation. Like one thing. You can talk about one thing. You can say one thing to me about the movie because it's hard, right? Yeah. Her thing was, it wasn't as bad as Meridian. (laughs) Sorry to steal your thunder for that. (laughs) But it made me laugh. Take my line. Directed by Peter Jackson. Mm. Sir Peter Jackson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is his first film. No. Really? 
I I'm tell. shocked. He would, of course, go on to become one of the kind of few filmmakers that become a brand unto themselves, but not straight away. The funny thing is, is that like, besides Lord of the Rings, like, is he really a brand? Like Absolutely. he does different things. Like, I don't feel like I have a Peter Jackson feel when I watch a movie. If you ask people to name directors. Yeah, he a name yeah, 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 sure. He's a famous he's director. A, he's a brand. But like, we're, yeah, right, right? okay. Yeah. His so, name sells yeah. the movie. Yeah. After this movie, he stuck with Splatter for a little while, making uh, Meet the Feebles and Brain Dead, also known as Dead Alive, both of which are on the list. Meet the Feebles is one of the most fucked up movies. <laughs> really? You will ever see. Fuck yeah. I feel like I've it's seen the, Brain Dead. Is that a the, famous one? Uh, it's probably more well known than Bad Taste. Yeah, okay. Meet the Feebles is the sensibility of bad taste with Muppets. Yeah, hectic. Okay. And also filthy. Yeah, mad. Intriguing. I feel like you don't mean intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is also some of the movies he almost made. He pitched a version of Nightmare on Elm Street, a sequel. That would be interesting. I think after four or five. Wow. He wouldn't be a bad choice for that. Yeah, right? Especially with his work at that period of time. Yeah. His idea was pretty out there and they ended up not obviously not going with it. He tried to get King Kong going in the mid-90s. So he'd been trying to make that movie basically as soon as he was kind of established. Right. And nobody would back him to make a movie that size because of the movies that he had made. Yeah. <laughs> And then in 1994, he becomes respectable. He made Heavenly Creatures, starring a pre-Titanic Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky, adult Shauna in Yellow Jackets. Ah. Yep, she was a teenager. That's a true crime movie. You've seen it. It's about two girls growing up in New Zealand in the 1950s that murder their murder one of the girls' parents. Does sound familiar. And they also live in a complex fantasy world of their own making and with, there's all kinds of effects work in it. Oh, it's a famous film. In the I've, fantasy sequences. I've yeah, heard of it. It's okay. a great movie. It's yeah, really good. Okay. That movie kind of got him in the door for Hollywood and he directed then The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox which is great fun. That's right. Yeah, and also proved that he could do a big visual effects slash special effects movie and do it in New Zealand. He's never made a movie outside of New Zealand. Is that true? Really? He's never shot. He has shot some stuff, bits and pieces of movies in other places, but all of his movies are made in New Zealand. What a fucking right. patriot. A patriot. That's For a New interesting Zealand. Twist. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> well, he's a sir for the Commonwealth. <laughs> and then, yeah, Lord of the Rings, uh, finally King Kong. The Lovely Bones, he produced the Tintin movie that Spielberg directed. There was meant to be three of those and only one ever Did you watch that? I love that movie. Yeah, I fucking loved it. I love Tintin. So I like the old cartoon yeah. from, from the 80s or 90s. Yeah, I, I watched up, it a bit. I grew up reading those comics. I remember I used to go to the library and blend them from the library. And you used to have <laughs> You're Tintin You're so hair. old. <laughs> yes, because I went to fucking libraries. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He dabbled in documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, about World War One, which has always been an obsession of his. He made the Hobbit movies. And did he? most recently, The Beatles Get Back. The, oh, right. I forgot that he did that. Yeah, oh, which he worked shit. on for like four or five years. Yeah. To whittle down to- That the, was really good. And I don't great. even know anything about The Beatles. My dad has been trying to get me to watch that for like It's really months. good. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not really a Beatles fan. Beatles fan. What? I'm, I'm just not my music. It's just not my thing, right? Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's one of those cultural things I'm like, yeah, their music is fine. That's me with the Rolling Stones. I don't feel that way about the Rolling Stones. I mm. love the Rolling Stones. Anyway, his Beatles documentary was 
fucking incredible, fascinating. Look into the into the creative process of musicians. Okay. And they were all so charismatic and charming in a way that I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, right. Like, for the first time ever in my life. Fuck I was right. like, okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. I still probably am never going to like regularly listen to Beatles music because it's just not my thing. But I was like, oh, okay, right. I get the fascination. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have I have my tracks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a Beatles head or whatever, <laughs> but yeah. And he also wrote this movie. No. For what <laughs> little writing there may have been. <laughs> With some additional material by Tony Hills and Ken Harmon. Hills and Harmon also worked on the movie Braindead and not much else. They also both appear in the movie. Hills is Giles. Yeah, right. Uh, the Charity Worker, and Harmon plays an alien, starring Terry Potter as Ozzy. His only film credit. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to look him up. I'm pretty sure most of them are like that, aren't they? Peter O'Hearn as Barry. He directed a short film before this. Ah. And his only other credit is a movie called God of Vampires in 2010. <laughs> I want to see in that. 2010. 2010. So he made this and then he and didn't do anything until 2010. Yeah. And That's weird. Unfortunately, he has since passed away. Aww. Mike Minette as Frank, his only film role. You mean uh, not Face, the guy who is clearly doing a uh, A-team ripoff? I mean, aren't they all really? <laughs> yeah, true. And Peter Jackson in two roles as Derek and Robert. I was so confused about that. <laughs> okay. Let's hold it. Wait. Okay. Let's let's let your confusion permeate the rest of the podcast. Okay. No women in this movie? Oh yeah. my god. No female cast. There is female names in the credits, but there is no women on screen in this movie. Wow. So maybe there's some women in the alien costumes? Maybe. Or or there was crew members. Nothing that did not stick out to me because it's so many other things stuck out to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> and the movie was made with his schoolmates and his work colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. He worked at the time in the lithography department of a newspaper, the photo printing part of a newspaper. In, Thank you in for old, explaining old timey technology, I think. <laughs> if I'm wrong. Yeah. Lithographs, yeah. And all of the actors are also the crew. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Everybody that you see on screen are the people that made the movie. This is because a bold this is a film. glorified student film. Yeah. But this is a bold well, film to ask your workmates to be a part of. You know what I mean? Well they just wanted it so the the positioning is is that is that he wanted to make movies and this was the only way he could do it. To think that the guy who made Lord of the Rings started with this film. Anybody can do it. It's wild. Wow. Anybody <laughs> can do it? Okay. Not anybody, but, you know, anybody who has an interest in this film. Trailers. No trailers. No trailers. No trailers. No I was trailers. really uh, taken aback because I just wasn't paying attention and – I just started playing and the movie just started playing. So there was no trailers. And I thought yeah. I was watching a trailer. Still, But it was just the movie. It was still, yeah. it was still the movie. Yeah, because there wasn't normally, even if there isn't trailers, there's sort of a bit of a fanfare of like, stuff. Yeah. So the tape is so bare bones. Yeah, because usually there's like, like a like a don't do pirated tapes. and Yeah. Like, Did you just steal this from like stuff. his school assignment library or something? Yeah. No, I paid good money for this on, on eBay. <laughs> Was this a school assignment? This tape was up. Uh, oh, well, he was an adult and he had a job, so I guess not a student yeah, film. It just feels like a student film. True. Who's going to recap the premise of Bad Taste? Oh, fuck. Not me. All right, I'll have a dig. Fuck, where to start? The New, so New Zealand... The <laughs> 
the the New Zealand agency known as AIDS fights. Oh, uh, step on that joke. Aliens, a New Zealand agency that is here to fight extraterrestrials fights extraterrestrials. Is that yeah? I mean, yeah. Once again, for a premise. Once again, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say in this? There's not much of a, like, a subplot or anything going on. The blockbuster guide. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's in it? Of course it is. To movies and videos from the year 1998. I think that you are underestimating what a big deal this movie is. Okay. And you will be, you'll be informed on what a big deal it is through the listening to and making of this podcast. Aliens wipe out a small seaside New Zealand town, collecting humans for a fast food chain back home. A low-budget spoof, as crazy as it sounds, three stars. Now people love this film. Can I can I talk about this film now? No, not yet. Mm. <laughs> still, still more. Well, uh, well, I'm we're doing all the. Have you forgotten the order in which we I do have things? totally forgotten? It's so been too this long. is the part where I tell you that Janet Maslin of the New York Times probably doesn't know that this movie exists. <sighs> Janet, we put so much stock in Janet. Hey? I know, and then it's been such a disappointment I because know. she doesn't review any of the I movies. Know. That we've I feel like she's anymore. not as into movies as we think. she I is. I feel like I could I could probably drop the bit at this point, but. I kind of like it. It still. still hurts my heart every time. Yeah. I did find a TV guide review written by a staff writer, so it's uncredited, from 1987 when this must have aired on American television. No. Yes. This aired on television? Isn't it like banned in some places? Yeah. But they well, put it on banned television. In, it's banned in Queensland. It's wild that it was on TV in America because, like, Aussies would watch this and be like, yeah, there are boys. Americans would watch this and be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that's why I'm surprised. Yeah. Few films have ever been as appropriately named as this all-out gore fest from New Zealand. Before it ever reached the US, Bad Taste was widely anticipated by gore hounds who were excited by reports from New Zealand that this was truly a disgusting affair. They weren't disappointed. As a showcase for squirting blood, exploding innards, disembowelment and bodily secretions, Bad Taste certainly lives up to its name and reputation. The gory tedium is relieved by so little dialogue, the film could be viewed entirely without sound, which would spare the viewers of the horribly graphic noises that accompany the sight of oozing wounds or dismemberments by chainsaw. Bad Taste was probably intended as camp, but its humour falls flat, even as a parody of the horror genre. It is best viewed as a film strictly for makeup effects and special effects aficionados. I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. This is a movie that built a, that built a reputation based on how outrageous it is and then found an audience and is popular because of how, how outrageous it is. Was horror comedy a thing back yeah. then? Yeah, sure. Yeah? I mean, this is after Ghostbusters. Uh, would you call that a horror comedy? I'd just call that a comedy. It's a horror comedy. You reckon? Okay. I mean, it has light horror elements, but it's still a horror comedy. It's after Ghostbusters. Yeah. Wow. Well, yes and no. Oh, okay. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about that. This movie is really still pretty hard to find. There is a DVD, which I own, and according to Peter Jackson himself, there is a 4K version coming <laughs> one day, although he said that in 2018, so who the fuck knows. You can rent it in most parts of the world on Amazon, but it is not in HD. It's in yeah. standard definition. You cannot rent it on Amazon in Australia. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's on a streaming service. I think, I think you can just rent it. My backstory with this movie. This is another movie that I was introduced to by my cousin Carly. Mm. Of course. Kira's <laughs> like, oh, that makes sense. I kind of vividly remember hanging out with her in her room, watching this movie and just being blown away by the gore and the silliness. 
because I, I don't know if I'd ever, even though I'd seen horror movies, I'd never seen anything like this. Yeah. And then over the years as a teenager, this was one of those movies that I took great pleasure in introducing people to. So you should watch this or watch this with that person and then watch them react to it, which I'm kind of disappointed I didn't get to do that with you. Yeah. Because I think that you might have had a better time being able to yell at me while you were watching this movie. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that would have been a better time. <laughs> and I don't think I've revisited it in the last 10 years, but I still know this movie kind of inside out, much like Derek's brain. I mean, there's not much to know inside out. No, it is very simple. It is a very simple movie. Yeah. Most of my sourcing and background information for this episode comes from a documentary about the movie mm. called Good Taste Made Bad that's available from the New Zealand on film website and is also floating around on YouTube. If you want to check it out, we'll put a link in the description. According to the New Zealand Film Commission and their website, it began in 1983 as a 20-minute short film called Roast of the Day with a almost completely different plot. Mm, I can see the parts that are still in it. Like the roast is probably what's his name in the pot and he would have been roasted or something like that. I think so, yeah. yeah. So apparently it was about a charity worker that's hunted by a killer and then I don't know what the end, where the mm. end of that plot is. And it was really designed as a, as a kind of a, a test because Peter Jackson had just bought a 16mm Bolex film camera. So it was the first like bigger sized film camera. He'd shot a lot of stuff on eight millimeter, but this is his first time shooting something on 16 millimeter film. And after a series of setbacks, he rewrote the movie into a feature around what he had already shot and then spent the next four years shooting the movie mostly on weekends. Wow. Yep. Before it was finished with some extra budget help by the New Zealand Film Commission and released in cinemas. Yeah, it feels like something that was shot on the weekends because there's probably a lot of – it feels disjointed a little bit. Well, people's hair change within a scene. Yeah, That's The so length true. of people's hair change within a scene. People are wearing different clothing. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of continuity issues. Because sort of – how do you keep track of that stuff over four years? I didn't even notice the continuity <laughs> issues. You were too distracted by the, uh, the glory of the gory? So the whole week <laughs> – Kira I was Kira just cringed both internally and externally. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't watch this before I went on holidays. I didn't watch this when I got back, but I knew the f- title of the film. I forgot totally everything else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I gotta watch this movie Bad Taste. How like how like f- like freaking ironic is that I gotta watch this movie that I'm dreading watching called Bad Taste. I bet you it's gonna be shocking. And I put it on and I fucking fell for it, eh? I was totally into this film. Okay, cool. Good. Because you were kind of hedging there. Yeah. And I put it on and I have like like five notes for this whole film because I was just into it. Honestly, I don't know if you were both, if you were both against me, I don't know how I'd be able to defend this movie (laughs) because I get it. For anybody that watches this movie and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's so much fun. I get it. I understand. Yeah. I'll never get that hour and a half of my life back. (laughs) Was it as bad as okay? So it was slightly better than Meridian. I hated Meridian on in a way where I wish that movie didn't exist. Yeah, so it's, I that's don't different. Yeah. Hate this movie in that way. I this is not a movie that needed to be put on in front of me. This is not a movie <laughs> that was made for me. This is not a movie that I was ever going to be interested in. But There's don't you not, feel like you could just switch it on and watch the stupidity in front of you? If this was on while I was playing my Switch and Kian was watching it and just every now and then he was like, look at this makeup, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. If I don't have to watch it. 
yeah, 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 yeah. I'm curious though, because, okay, so I'm just curious because one of your favourite movies of all time is The Blair Witch Project. I love The Blair Witch Project. Which I would say Never is seen it. in the instantly on the list and Kira, <laughs> Kira just- Kira, okay, Kira just, settle. Kira literally just hexed you from across the room. <laughs> I know what I'm picking when I'm not taking on a week. <laughs> What I would say to you is that's one of your favourite movies of all time, right? I very much love that movie. It is exactly the same in terms of the level of production quality and writing. and I know a ton about the production of that movie and it was better made than this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In terms of structure of his plot and story and and what's Uh, going on, there's character dynamics, there's friendships and and tensions. and, and I mean, somebody loses a map. And yeah, <laughs> but there are There's points in this movie that are like that. meant to okay. insinuate. But also, I, I would say I would that. not say they're tonally similar. With Blair Witch Project, that movie was made for me. Yeah, okay. My point is that this movie was not. So yeah, Blair fine. Witch Project is about student filmmakers going out and trying to make a movie, which is exactly what I would have wanted to do when I was sixteen and living mm. near a haunted forest. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I and get that. So, and I can relate to the characters, and it's and it's a sort of not a race against time, but it's a short period of time movie. Like there's ten, tons mm-hmm. of reasons why that movie is made for me. This movie has nothing in it that are the things that I grab onto. Yep. They just don't have enough depth for me yep. to really yeah. go, oh, I love that character. I hope that character gets through this. Can I say? It's like I don't really care and I need to care to feel like this movie is in yeah. any way for me. So I'm sure you two had a wonderful time and I'll enjoy talking about the the like makeup effects and stuff, but – some movies aren't made for me and this is one of them. But like I, I totally agree with you on that. I feel like this movie feels like a section of a larger movie. There's a beginning here that doesn't happen and there's, you know, it feels like there should be like a, I don't know, a stronger setback or there should be more beats to this movie that aren't mm. there. I think that the reason it doesn't have any of those things is because they're not Peter Jackson is not interested in telling a nuanced story. Yeah, yeah that's He's not interested, the point of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's interested in trying out all his toys. Yeah, fucking oath. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and flexing his muscle in terms of craft, not exactly. in terms of – not into. And when I say craft, I mean like physical craft, not story craft. What story it's craft. doing, it does really, really yeah. well. Yeah, and I think I can respect the, the craft and the beginnings of Peter Jackson, which is what this movie is, but – I'm not a gore fan anyway. Like I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like a movie just because it's got buckets of blood in it. Yeah. Whereas Ken might turn a movie on because he hears it's got buckets of blood on in it. Yeah. 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 Sure. I feel like you might be the same in that sense. Yeah. I'd be interested. Whereas I, that's not a selling point to me. Yeah. In terms of the buckets of blood, I like fun, silly buckets of blood. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of like, uh, of super realistic. Buckets of Blood. Mm. Yeah. So I think that the Buckets of Blood of this movie and his second movie, oh, third movie, Dead Alive, Dead Alive is like this on steroids, but also made like infinitely more professionally. The fun of that movie is how ridiculous the amount of gore is in that. The thing about this movie that didn't make sense to me is that the reputation is to do with it being gross and mm-hmm. gory and it'll make you throw up, yeah. right? Not, it wasn't make, like not make you throw up. Well, that was kind of the- It's the outlandishness of the gore. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really find it gross. Neither. Oh, really? There's stuff in there that still freaks me out. Like? 
We'll we'll talk about it as we okay. talk through it. Okay. Let's okay. start yeah. talking about. Let's start talking yeah. through the okay. show. Talking through the movie. So we open with the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> And the sound of an emergency phone call being played back on a reel-to-reel tape machine being wheeled into a shadowy office of someone important and equally in shadowy. On the tape, a distressed man is calling from Kaihora. I'm going to fuck up Maori names, New Zealand yeah. names, this entire fucking podcast. So we'll just deal with that straight up. Hello, emergency. What service did you require, please? Oh, quick! Anybody, just get help! Where are you calling from, sir? Kaihora! Phone box! Hold on, sir. I'll connect you with the Department of Internal Affairs. Hello? (laughs) Is there anybody there? The shadowy man (laughs) is missing a hand and has an attachment that is a single digit. Yeah. That he also has a band-aid and a (laughs) cigarette attached to momentarily. Is speaking to somebody important, some type of menacer via a speakerphone. And the minister wants to send in the whole defense force, but that could be too showy because this is a job for real men. What the fuck was going on in this scene, hey? <laughs> it's just set up. If you take this scene out of it, the movie starts in situ. It starts in media res, yeah. right? So this the scene is literally just so that they can fill the gap. To so set that the you tone. Set the tone and everything and everything else. It clearly feels like something that was shot like way later. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we didn't have a beginning of the movie, so we need to come up with something that's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but like- Think about the choices there. It's a man who's yeah, losing a time. hand. Lost a hand. Yeah. Lost a hand uh, whose attachment is only one finger, who's lighting a cigarette with a full hand that's missing one finger. Yes. What the fuck is going on in this <laughs> it's film? It's strange and it's strange. It's very strange on purpose. Curious the, and curiouser. The shadowy man pushes the speed dial button on a phone just below the queen and mum is the button for the boys. <laughs> and in Kaya we meet one of the boys, Barry, as he is walking the empty town. Kaiahora, name meaning, not a real place. Mm-hmm. It's a made-up word from Maori woods. It has two parts. Kai, which means food, and horror, which means town or village. Ah. Food town. Food town. <laughs> I love it. And the movie was shot in Peter Jackson's hometown, north of Auckland. Ah. That's where he grew up, a small coastal, coastal town. Pukarua Bay. Again, I, if that's not correct, I apologize, but that's- where it is. Barry is holding a charity envelope for bread, beneficial relief and emergency aid division. And almost straight away, we get some kind of muscle flexing camera work. Like I'm being a show off because I can do this thing. There's this counter move kind of like pullback reveal where we kind of speed past Barry and then reveal he's being followed by a man in blue jeans and a blue shirt carrying an axe. Why is that showy? You don't see that kind of camera movement very much in films of this budget and quality. Like he's, the camera movement's actually sometimes quite impressive in this movie for the scale, scale of the budget. One of the reasons that that shot's impressive is because Peter Jackson built his own Steadicam to do that shot. Oh my God. I see. Cost him about $20 in materials. Yeah, mad. What a fucking legend. And this is... Steadicams exist in this. Steadicams exist. They cost a for absolute fortune. So he built his own. So he built his own with springs and an arm and a and a vest and everything to put his tiny little bollocks camera. Bollocks cameras are also the camera is tiny. Think about it like it's not much bigger than a handy handy cam. You also is it like square? It's uh it's kind of a rectangle shape. It's tall. 
tall okay. and, and squat. And the thing, other thing about it is you wind it up. It doesn't have an electric motor of any kind. You hand crank wind it up and then it spring on winds to, to develop the film. Wow. And you get about 30 seconds worth of shooting from a wind, from a wind up. No. Can you wind it mid shot? No, no, of course not. Fuck, I'm so glad we live when we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do you change film reels after every 30 seconds? No. So a film reel probably runs like almost 10 minutes, but you get about 30 seconds worth of shooting every time you basically, it's like hitting record and only getting 30 seconds before the camera camera stops. Are there a lot of behind the scenes stuff for this, like photos and things? There's photos. And like I said, there's a, there's a half hour making of that right. was made by them. Oh, okay. Cool. Right. So it came out after the movie. So I think I would be more interested in watching that. Okay, well, it'll be linked in the description. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Barry tells the man with the axe to stop. He doesn't. And on the radio, which is something that we get a lot of th- to do any plot work through the movie because there's very few scenes where people have conversations this, like, with each other. This whole like, scene the first, and going the to the top first, of the mountain is so choreographed. I love it. We hear a voice tell Barry that he should kill the man. The voice who we'll meet later is Derek, played by Peter Jackson. And then Barry leads the man down onto the beach and the, again, we get another interesting shot. The camera moves into the axe guy's back to hide a cut so that the camera can crane up over a beach shack to show Barry. Peter Jackson built a camera crane and dolly from wood and aluminium pipes. See, this part is impressive. And when yeah. the camera was on the crane, they had no way of looking through the viewfinder. So it was just pointed in the general direction and hope you got the shot. Wow. That's something I'd do. <laughs> I, I've done that. I've off the camera without being able to see what's happening yeah, with a wide too, angle actually. lens and then just, and then got in the back and went, fuck, I nailed that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, like, actually, I yeah, love- I used a camera crane for uni um, and we, I forgot to hire the external monitor. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I. Classic um, student film. Yeah. And so I had to do it without being able to see and. It's surprisingly easy to get that right because you're always shooting wide when you're shooting with something like that. Ah, clever. As long as you are pointing in the right direction and kind of think about angles and stuff, it's not too bit difficult. You know what I'm surprised about? The level of fucking confidence PJ had on this film. To just build his own camera crew. Yeah, to do that shit, rope in every single person he knows. He did have four years to do it. Yeah, true. Yeah. A lot Probably, of arm twisting. He, he may not have had that kind of confidence if he'd had any kind of like restriction. Yeah, like, oh, we got to do, do this in a month. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Out on a rock shelf, Barry has cornered himself and got nowhere else to go, so he draws his gun. He fires, hitting the axe, and Derek, via the radio, tells him to go for the headshot. By this time, the guy's point blank, so Barry fires and gets sourced in the face and brain splatters against the rock and the guy keeps on coming forward because the whole top of his half of his head is gone and the body falls forward leaking brain as it slides down Barry's jeans. Yeah. And yeah, that's the tone of this movie. It's fun. Cool. Shoot Um, him in the head, Barry. That's the only way to take him down for good. Up on the cliff is Derek watching through binoculars who hopes he isn't the porn bastard that has to clean that up. All right. Let's talk about Derek. How the <laughs> fuck? To- how the fuck is that Peter Jackson? We need to talk about Derek. Is that the, that's the <laughs> yeah. follow-up movie? Yeah, but yeah. like, is that actually Peter Jackson? Yes, that is Peter Jackson. Holy fuck! I had no idea the whole time. Like <laughs> Robert, was it Robert? Yeah, that's. Also I saw Peter that Jackson. and I was like, 
That's Peter Jackson. Yeah. He's just got his hair slicked back and he's wearing glasses and they just dressed I've never had a good look at Peter Jackson then because like I was like, I that is a completely different person. I didn't realize until I saw Robert and then I saw Derek again and I was like, oh, that's the same person. It was not until I, I saw the name in the credits <laughs> that I realized, wow. I was like, was there another Derek in this film? No. Wow. I can't believe I'm that fucking thick. And with the splattering of brains, we cut to the title, Bad Taste, as a Morris Minor rolls through the New Zealand countryside. In the car, Giles. We don't learn his name until like way later in the movie, but I'm just going to call him Giles. He's the charity man, although he's definitely- uh, A con man, right? Yeah, he's a con man. Right, thank you. He's looking at a a map and he's got a list of names of towns. He's crossing them off. Back in town, Derek wants Barry to stick all the bits of brain in a plastic bag. (laughs) And Barry tells him to come down and do it himself. Yeah. Uh, Derek will be right down after lunch. And the dialogue in this movie is... Is it dialogue? <laughs> it's off the chain, hey. It's pretty... It's cheesy and it's cheesy on purpose. But it's also like so casual and brilliant, but also it terrible. A bit, it feels a bit ad-lib. It and feels a bit we're figuring this out as we go. Yeah. Not a single sound was recorded during production. Yeah. I thought so. Every single piece of audio that you hear is created in post-production this. because they had no way of recording audio. And we find out that they have a live specimen hanging from a rope over the edge of the cliff overlooking the bay and they haven't seen anyone else around. Barry and Derek banter across the radio that the sky is pointed here. Barry wonders why aliens can't be friendly. Derek's response. You Do see- New Zealanders not like Auckland? <laughs> I, don't, no. I don't know. Regional humour. Yeah. 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 But like you see why like I just was like on with this movie from the start, right? It's a fucking strong start. I think it's fun. I think that the movie suffers in the first half hour because it's trying to fill the time to be a movie. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this movie. There's a lot of like people go here, people go there, people do this. Yeah, you should wait. You guys should wait over here. Yeah, that is all just about stretching out time to get us to ninety minutes. Yeah, like when Giles first gets out in the town, he like gets out, walks somewhere, gets something. There's a lot of walk somewhere else, and then gets chased and just goes straight back to his car. Giles kind of stops at a crossroad where there's a sign that points in two directions, one towards Kaihoro and the other towards Castle Rock. Either of you understand the reference to Castle Rock? Is that as in Castle Rock with the Castle Rock? Is that, <laughs> Karen bangs her head. Is that like a reference to no. Game of Thrones, no. like Castle Iraq? No. No, Castle Rock. As in rock music? No, like the, with the, are they Muppets? You oh mean, no! I was thinking Crocodile Rock. 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 Wow! <laughs> How tired are you? Wow! Confusing Fraggle Rock with Castle Rock. So the, I thought the bobbing of the head was headbanging, but that was pretending to be a Fraggle. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a Fraggle dancing. Okay. Yeah. No, I get it. Once you explained it, I was like, "Oh, I see it, guys. What's a Fraggle?" <laughs> you know what? We don't. We don't have time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What are you, just pushing the microwave. <laughs> it's done. Castle Rock is a reference to the town of the same name that appears many, many times in the work of Stephen King. Ah. Derek warns Barry that the guy he topped might have friends. Barry tells him that he isn't stupid while he's standing in front of a garage door and is grabbed by many hands. Yeah. And pulled inside. And we get a fight that we see from the outside and hear as there's holes punched in the walls. And Peter Jackson's throwing the camera around quite a bit. Fully Looney Tunes shit. Yeah. Um, can we talk about his look for a second? Whose look? Barry. 
What the fuck is Barry's look? They're meant to look like civil servants because they're undercover. Yeah, okay. He's just got like long he he has the long hair balding look, but he also has the like weird like just stringy beard look as well. It's a strong look. Also, that's just what that man looks like. I know. I 100% know. And he had to look that way like that for 4 years. Oh, Imagine if he no. wanted to get a haircut. No. I can't, I'm making a movie with my mate. That's torture. Uh, Barry gets out of the garage and runs, loses part of his radio and his gun, and yeah. is chased by five alien goons dressed in blue. One of them picks up the radio. He, he picks up the radio hand. The radio. The, what is it's a It's a transmitter. It's not. It, I don't, how does the radio not work without that piece? Yeah, right. That's exactly what I was wondering when I was looking at it. just the rest of the radio. Yeah. It Surely it's an, it's an ease thing so that you can use it while like you're in a car or yeah. something. You could yeah. put it on your shoulder so that you could yeah. speak into it like you're, you <laughs> yeah. know, if you're a bodyguard or some type of policeman or whatever. I love how it's not just one thing he loses, it's everything. Yeah. Again, it's <laughs> just a lot of business to create business. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So he ends up losing the alien goons and uh, hiding in a shed and then back on the top of the cliff, Derek radios Frank and Ozzy. Cut to them tearing through the countryside in their muscle car, blasting elevator music for headbangers. These are the boys. It's the boys. <laughs> yeah. It's Frank and Ozzy. Derek fills them in. Uh, extraterrestrial low-lifers have killed everybody in town, and he tells them about the alien that he caught earlier. Frank and Ozzy will be there in 45 minutes. Frank tells Derek not to cause physical harm to the alien that they have caught, indicating that Derek may have gone too far before. Yeah. And we find out the name of the boys' organization, which you already <laughs> you already pointed out the acronym yeah. for Is it people. The astrological, the, the Astro Intelligence and Defense Service. Which, yes, it's an AIDS joke. Yeah, because it's the eighties, very of the time, which is terrible. I had to stop the the movie because I couldn't like figure out what the joke was, <laughs> but I knew there was a joke there, and I like stopped it. I'm like, had to write it down. A I D S. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. Yeah, thank you. I'm very slow. Around this point was when I first realised that the aliens don't look like the aliens on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we haven't got the budget for that. Yeah, like I got confused at that point. It's like these are the aliens, right? But then I know that the aliens are supposed to look like, are these guys possessed by the aliens? Are these guys like, because those aliens are quite big. They're not going to fit in a human shell. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I think do. this is about to be described in the line of, oh, what do the aliens look like? Um, human shaped. Human shaped. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and all wearing, but cleverly, all wearing the exact same thing. So you always know who's an alien. Yeah. yeah. That was, look, I Blue did, jeans, blue shirt. So you always know that they're an alien. I did appreciate the workaround, but also like, it's so fucking dumb. Yeah. It's so fucking dumb. Some, I, of, the, some of the acting by the goon aliens is. <sighs> Well, yeah, capital A acting. Yeah. Derek describes the alien to Frank and Ozzy, and he looks a hell of a lot like Peter Jackson. Yep. Frank asks him, this isn't going to be another false alarm like the Menace Street invasion all over again, is it? And Derek says, well, how do you explain the disappearance of an entire township, Frank? Oh, the Kiwi Jonestown, of course, that's it. Drinking beer laced with cyanide from little polystyrene cups. I did not catch that line. I thought you would appreciate that line. I would have appreciated that line. Yeah. Hold up. Why would you appreciate that line? (laughs) 
Kira's a big fan of Jim Jones. No, oh. I'm a true. <laughs> he follows his teachings. I like true crime. I'm not right, a fan of murderers. Right. <laughs> Thank you for explaining. But like, it was at this point that I was like, "Fuck!" It is the '80s because they're not afraid to go in on some heavy shit. Yeah, they're just going straight. You could just make jokes about anything back in the day. Hey? I mean, people it, make drink the Kool Aid jokes constantly. That is true. It's not really a taboo joke. That is true. Fun fact: It was not Kool Aid. No, it was Flavor Aid. The the Kool Aid knockoff. Oh yeah. They sign off, and Derek goes into his bag of holding, pulling out his packed lunch, a World War One era bayonet, and a hammer. I love the um the prop work there. How he's like fumbling around in this little bag. You and know he's going to pull out something, something that's, that's too big. Than the yeah. Bag. yeah that's great. <laughs> and Derek is choosing violence. He makes his way to the cliff edge and starts torturing the alien by hammering the bayonet into the heel of the alien's shoe. And that would hurt. Yeah. Is it at this point where you guys start to be like, these aren't good guys. <laughs> these aren't, these aren't great well, no, people. Derek is a scientist. And so this is his version of experimentation. Still not a great bloke, though. No. Yeah. Uh, back at the shed, the alien goons are poking around Barry's hiding spot, and he tries to sneak attack them with a pitchfork, but gets hung <sighs> up on some equipment hanging in the shed, and they just see him. All the physicality in this first third of the movie is just fucking great. Yeah, you really like this stuff. This is the stuff that I that I and I like the back half of the movie a lot more than the first half. Oh, that's that's good fun. That is a lot of fun. But what I really appreciate is like like he's in he's in a shed and he goes to do something but he gets caught on something and he fumbles halfway through and doesn't do it, fucks up what he's going to do. Yeah. And then like the fight on the top of the mountain. There's just a lot of really good physicality to this first third. Okay. He barricades the door and the alien goons use one of their goon friends' head as a battering ram. And it's intercut with Derek counting to 10 before he hits the bayonet deeper into the alien's foot, which causes it to scream like an alien. And it is heard all over the town. Derek howls along with him. And then all the goons leave the shed where Barry's hiding and head off to help their alien friend. They all grab an individual hammer. That's in a second. But by the way, during this whole sequence where Peter Jackson is up on top of the cliff with Peter Jackson, you can just see people walking Along, no. Yeah, you can see people walking along the, the rocks on the beach and stuff. There's a path down near the beach and you can just see like general <laughs> public. This town's meant Fuck to be yeah. abandoned because it, he's got no control. He's up on the cliff. He's shooting. I just realized that he was filming with himself <laughs> and he probably, it was probably just him there. Oh, no. Well, there There's would the be the, the ca- whoever's the operating the camera. Also that person. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also Peter Jackson. <laughs> he's amazing. He's he can climbing. be in three places at once. Yeah. No, he's actually triplets. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two, of them, two of them were killed during the making of this film. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Fair. That makes sense. All the alien goons grab giant mallets, except for one, the one that was being used as a ram, who grabs a tiny hammer. Yeah. I mean, but like if everyone's grabbing hammers, it's a thing to do. Yeah. And Barry uh, tries to warn Derek and ends up chasing the goons down the hill. Um, And then there's this business where Barry finds, takes his radio off and then drops it and then finds the party lost and then goes back and also picks up his gun. And it's just to delay him getting down the cliff. It's just business for the sake of business. But I kind of loved it. That's what you kind of do though. Like when you're, when you're chasing someone and it's like, oh, fuck, you're like, oh, do I chase someone or like here's this other thing that like now I found that bit, I can go back and plug that in and make it call. Brody, how often are you 
chasing people with <laughs> guns and radios? I mean, you know, how many, how many times second you... or third weekend. But no, like it, I just love that. Do we need to call the police? <laughs> no, please don't. Please what? don't do that. Okay. Um, this is all just fiction, right? No one's listening to this, right? No, but like I just loved the the play of it all. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's staging. It's like he's running back and forth, the indecision of it. Yeah, it's business for business sake, but it added something to the whole scene, I feel. While Derek is enjoying himself, he pulls the bayonet out of other Peter Jackson and gets blood spurted onto his face, of course. He finally hears the radio. Barry warning him on the radio to run. Derek's don't run. I can't do that. I'm a Derek. Derek's don't run. Derek's don't run. I love that line. Derek pulls a machine gun out of his bag of holding. Yeah. Uh, what kind of machine gun, Cam? Uh, it's not an Uzi. It's not? No. No, it looked like an Uzi. No, it's too long for an, to be an Uzi. I thought it was just like a toy Uzi that didn't look right. Well, yeah, we'll talk about guns okay. at some point. He unloads his clip into nothing, just shoots a clip Yeah, I appreciate that business too because, like, that's kind of what you're going to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, he, like, if you don't know where they're coming from and you're just facing, like, a like but he also, bush. Like, He's but he supposed also, to be a professional, though. Yeah. But, but there's also a lot of business silly. about how we shouldn't give it, nobody should have guns. Like, there's this whole thing about how... I think they're murder hobos. If you think of them as like D&D characters, yeah, these guys are fucking murder hobos, right? Yeah, true. Frank is the only, Frank and Barry are the only are like kind of the adults in the room. And anytime anybody ends up with a gun, things go terribly. True. I think that's why I, I like the film because it's a <laughs> gang of murder hobos. Yeah. We do know the way you like to play D&D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes to reload as the tiny Hemagoon is coming at him. And then pretend to shoot him and make noises like a little kid playing with a gun. Yeah. And the tiny Hermagoon reacts like he's been shot, which gives Derek time to grab a clip. It's great. So good. He fires and the tiny Hermagoon falls onto him and he jams the gun through him and keeps firing to kill the other goons coming up the hill. It's great. But this is where I realized that the VHS version is cut down compared to the version that is on DVD. Ah. There is stuff missing. On the DVD, you see the barrel get pushed through the hole, through the other side, in a much more squelchier and gorier way. Uh-huh. And on the VHS, there's just a really bad cut. Not a bad cut as in a bad edit. A bad cut as in they just hacked a piece of the movie out and yeah. didn't bother trying to re-edit it together. So uh-huh. the music jumps, the sound, cha- yeah. the sound changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I found out was that there was a minute taken out of the film for the Australian VHS release. Uh, This is still for the version that was banned in Queensland, by the way. And that that footage wasn't restored into the movie until the DVD came out in 2004. So when I watched, so I watched this movie twice, I watched it on VHS and I watched it on DVD, but I watched the DVD version first. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's heaps of extra gore. What's really weird, though, is that my memory is of the gorier version. Yeah. So when I was watching the VHS, one of the reasons I realized that it was different was because I was like, hey, the shot where he pushes it through the gun through him is, miss, is missing. It was at this point where I was like, is this like really silly plus a little bit gory <laughs> version of Hot Shots? Okay, that's a weird. I, I, but the, the silliness of like pretending to have a gun and go, eh, 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 and then like a person pretending to be hit by bullets. Yeah. That's something like Hot Shots it literally has spoof- a part okay. in it where someone picks up bullets and throws them. Yeah. Okay. So it's spoofy. Yeah. But And this movie is 
making fun of horror movies, it's making fun of alien movies, yeah. it's making fun of action movies. It's playing to all the cliches. It's fucking good fun. There's two goons left and they corner him as he searches for another clip and there is some fun business with a fence. I like yeah. the physicality with the fence where the, they, the one guy gets stuck on the fence and then another guy with a hammer hits his hammer and it goes back. And yeah, and he like goes, pieces. boom. Yeah. And, and then like they block each other. It's fucking great. Yeah. they Derek has to head down the cliff to escape and also to retrieve a clip that they've knocked down there. And this stuff kind of freaks me out because there is no safety gear and they are just slipping and sliding on the edge of that, on the down that hill and on that, on that cliff. I just imagined it was like one of those cliffs that like aren't really that steep that we have like around here where you could like it, slide on your bum all the way to the bottom. It really. feels, I'm sure that it's not as steep as it looks, but there are things, parts of it that feel dangerous. There's a crane shot that he does of Derek running down the hill and then he kind of like falls over and it feels like if you take a misstep, it, you're still going to roll down a distance. It could be the angle. Also, the, the beach feels like it's a little way. It feels like it's a little ways away. Yeah, but he also films up as well. So there must be somewhere where they're standing. I think that might have been shot in a different spot. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Derek ends up hanging from the rope that the alien was on and the alien is gone. He grabs his clip as the goons are trying to hammer him and he gets it and headbutts it into the gun, yeah. which is kind of fun, and then cocks the gun with his foot. That I fucking again loved. Is, again, it's kind of fun. And shoots the alien goon with the hammer's arm off and the hammer falls back and splats the goon standing behind him in the head, sticking in his head. Again, cut very strange though on the VHS. Yeah. You see, way, you see the hammer go into the guy's head on the- Yeah, the, I had no the, idea what happened when I was on watching the DVD. it. Well, because they, you don't, they don't cut back to it for, to, for quite a few seconds. Yeah. And then both of those guys die leaking brain and blood onto Derek as he tries to climb up, but then he is attacked by himself, by the alien version of himself. Yeah. And Peter Jackson fights himself. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. It's good fun. I mean, obviously they're just doing a double. You yeah. Ever see, uh, there's no split screen or anything. It's there just, is a point where Derek literally becomes like a a, <laughs> a wax body at well, some point. Well, it becomes a something. dummy. Yeah. yeah. So It just sort of seems like if they were like, they knew that that would happen, so why wouldn't you just have someone else play that role? I, yeah. I literally think it is because there was only Peter Jackson. Because it's Peter Jackson getting a mate to come out and point a camera for him and getting somebody to double himself. He probably never intended to play both roles but needed somebody to play the roles and then he ends up in this situation. And it all works. Like yeah. none, of it, none, none of it you go, oh, well, that's – I mean, you know that it's not two Peter Jacksons. I didn't. Mm. Did you think it was twins? You didn't know it was no, the same No, I didn't realise the same person. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, Derek gets kicked off the cliff and rolls down the hill and, yeah, becomes a dummy. But it's a pretty good dummy. Like he's holding in, in position. Yeah. Um, as he falls, he screams mummy. <laughs> and then there's the impact. This is brilliant. We get a massive splat of blood and his legs land perfectly over a rock. And it's a really great effect. And so I was kind of curious about how it was done. It felt really well executed. Is it just a pair of legs and some clothes? Well, yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. Watching it in real time, I couldn't figure out how the dummy was landing perfectly with its legs like that. And I figured that there was probably hidden cuts in because there's some whip pans, right? Yeah. And I, what I thought was happening was that the dummy was falling behind the rock and then the fake legs were, were just already there. So yeah. the, the dummy falls out of frame and you come down and the legs are already are already there. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what's happening. Decided to go frame by frame. Mm. And there's a bunch of cuts, but the last shot, which is the for the impact, 
in the frame by frame, you can just see that there is a crew member placing down the legs, placing the legs down, and you can see their hands. It does look funny though. Well, the camera is the camera is kind of swinging around wildly to find it, so you don't really know. You only notice in the frame by frame. There's literally just a person putting a pair of legs down on the down on the rock, like slamming them down. To the wait, to the right of them, there's just a person standing there. I love that. Whose head you can see and everything. They're trying to duck behind the rock, but you can just see them because they stand up and throw a bucket of blood and then duck back behind the rock. Yeah. And with the camera movement, with the motion blur, unless you go frame by frame, you can't see them. But they are just there in the frame. It you know what? I feel like that adds to the the like reverberation of the splat almost yeah, because it feels because the like there's kind more of things lands, happening. The camera kind of lands with the splat. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's great. Um and in case it wasn't clear, Peter Jackson created all of the gore effects for this movie himself. Mad. Very cool. I love I feel like he probably wasn't doing a lot of work during these four years. <laughs> his paid job, I think his boss might have some questions. Yeah, I think that that's, that's probably true. Yeah, there was definitely some sleepless nights figuring out what to use for the gore. Because <laughs> the gore's impressive, man. All the, like, the viscera is well, impressive. That's because it's real gore. Huh? It's like real animal parts and bits and pieces. No. Yeah. Anything that you see that's squishy is a real animal. It's like awful, awful or livers or all kinds of all kinds of sheep intestines and all kinds of stuff. Is that allowed these days? Yeah. People still do that. Wow. Okay. Less so than they used to. But that's like all the zombie stuff in all of the George A. Romero zombie movies. It's all like real awful and livers and- Really? Yes. I had no idea. Stuff would notoriously, they'd like buy it wholesale from, from a butcher and it would sit in a refrigerator for weeks and by the time they pulled it out, the shit would just be rancid. Oh, <laughs> fuck. See, I, I just assumed that shit was just like corn flour and like food dye mixed up. There is a lot of that too, but it's it's mixed with like real bits. Oh, yes. Yeah. Back with Barry, he struggles to draw his gun as alien Peter Jackson lumbers down the hill and jumps over him. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, it kind of leaps over him. He shoots and misses and Barry keeps on heading up. Uh, Giles, the charity guy, arrives in town and fashions a fake priest collar from a cardboard bag. Good bit of business. Yeah, and elsewhere, Frank and Ozzy are closing off the roads with signs that say they have been a nuclear accident, even though the nearest nuclear reactor is in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> and then Barry radios them that Derek has killed five of the alien jokers and took a dive off a cliff <laughs> and popped his rivets. I love all that shit. Who's going to look after his Avery now? Yeah, birds were the only thing he could relate to. Cut to a shot of seagulls eating what is left of him. Yeah, I fucking loved that. I love that too. That's fantastic. Barry tells them to stay back and hide the car while he's headed to the direction that they found the alien this morning because that he must have come from somewhere. They must have a base somewhere. Back with Giles. He's collecting the envelopes. There's nobody around. And... He steps on some roadkill, only to also find alien Peter Jackson eating the brains of one of his dead mates with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, so dumb. <laughs> so, like, this is the thing. So, do these aliens just eat anything? Because, yeah, like, seems that way. Yeah, but I thought they were here to eat humans. But like, it, an alien's just eating another alien now. Yeah, I mean they're cannibalistic. Giles runs, of course, and alien Jackson chases him. Alien Jackson, <laughs> yeah. At, uh, he has a name, but I like Alien Jackson. Better. Yeah, Roboito. At his car, it won't start, and Alien Jackson catches up with him. He rolls up his window and traps Alien Jackson's hand in the car with the bayonet. 
starts the car, says bye-bye and drives off with Alien Jackson running alongside him. And for most of these shots, you can just see that the window is not all the way up and Peter Jackson is just pretending to be trapped. I love that the horror moments in this film are actually played, although comedy, like they are laid on thick as horror moments, like fumbling with the keys. Well, the, the, the classics of the genre. Yeah. The car won't start. Yeah. The car I, finally does start and the guy's right there. Yeah. I love all those moments and they're actually really well done while still being comedic. Yeah. It's really well done. So Alien Jackson is keeping up with the car. Yeah. I wonder why. Why is he keeping up and with then, the car, Ken? But he eventually kind of gets his hand loose and also then continues to keep up with the car and then Giles realizes he's got the handbrake on. Yeah. Something I've done many times. Also, what's a f- what the fuck is with a car having a choke? Is that a thing? Did cars used to have chokes? Oh, uh, yeah, because it's a, it's a Morris Minor, so that car's from like the 1950s or 60s. Yeah, I've so seen it in movies before. It's a right. ancient car, yeah. Never knew that was a thing. Frank and Ozzy are just taking the break to do some overtime paperwork while they wait. <laughs> Barry radios in. He's found something and is moving closer. Uh, it's a Federation-style house, and he checks it out with his binoculars. What? clues him in to this being like well it's up the hill where the where he where the where they found alien jackson coming from in the morning yeah but uh, see this is like i was like oh does he think that there's people in there that are going to be eaten or something like that well they're just investigating he's investigating everything yeah giles's car stops and alien jackson is still chasing him and he heads to the same house there's some screw geography very screw geography they park on this path that's down near the beach and then all of a sudden there's a field and then they're near the house and yeah. it's like, we just shot this wherever we could shoot What about it. the fucking gun battle later? Oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah. Barry watches him go into the house or towards the house and knows it, that that's going to be bad news and Giles knocks on the door asking to use the phone and when the door opens, a very large man with a chef's hat and apron knocks him out with a mallet and drags him inside. The archetypal... Uh, large henchman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, got to have a big henchman and a little henchman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barry radios the boys that there's trouble and the boys say that they're on their way. They love trouble. Inside the basement of the house, Giles, this is this is my worst nightmare. Giles wakes up with his mouth gagged with an apple. Is this really your worst nightmare? Super, no, I'm just talking. But like waking up in a basement, like just like. Not so much a basement, but the idea of being cooked in a soup pot is not. <laughs> So not the bit that's actually scary, the bit that's like a cartoon. That's what you're scared of. As a child, I was definitely worried about waking up in a pot of soup. <laughs> that did seem to be a thing back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Did it? Because like you'd see it in cartoons where like someone's oh, yeah. in a big cauldron and they're like chopping carrots into the water. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, in cartoons. <laughs> Alien Jackson is fucking around with the bayonet and a flashlight and then we see that there are many alien goons down there. And an alien in a suit, Fancy. Uh, I mean, we assume that he's an alien, walks over and asks or says, I suppose you're wondering why you're soaking in Reggie delivered secret herbs and spaces. Mm. Tomorrow we're having you for lunch. He's the exotic new taste sensation. Human flesh is it. This and is- then Jackson polishes the apple. Yeah. Um, so... Throughout this whole film, I was like, are they actually aliens? I was like, is this just a movie about like zombies and they don't know what they're dealing with? And then this guy rocked up and I was like, is it cannibalism? Is it just like the cannibalism is like making people crazy? As 
the leader is walking away, there's a line that's buried in the in the mix. Yeah. He says, I'll have the end, Reg. I want to suck his brains out. So do they not know where their brains are or is that? Well, the end is the, in this instance, it is the top. Okay. People would have two ends. <laughs> I thought they were doing a devious misdirect. No. Everyone leaves as Reg, the chef alien, is sharpening his knife and alien Jackson gets Reg to sharpen his bayonet for him. As Reg is leaving the room, he motions to Giles that he's a dead man by running his knife across his throat, not touching it. And uh, then Alien Jackson imitates him, but actually cuts his own throat open, which splatters Giles. This is a great bit of business. I love this bit of business. He starts laughing and then gets splattered with it. But also how creepy for like your captor to run a blade over his own throat and and then bleed. Yeah. Yeah. Back with the corpse of Derek, he's alive. (laughs) This 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 is the part of the movie as a teenager that was just like, I have to show this to as many people as possible. He headbutts a seagull to death. <laughs> yeah. And then checks the back of his head and beneath him is a crushed gull's nest, which is what saved his life. Ah. Part of the back of his skull flaps down and he starts having a seizure until he <sighs> holds his brain in, except for a bit that's lying on the rocks, which he picks up and in the DVD version... He puts that piece of his brain back in and squishes the flap shut. Now. They cut around it on the VHS. I assume that's what he was going to do and that he didn't. Yeah. Now, I I assumed from this point that, because I didn't really understand that it was the crushed gull's nest that saved his life. Yeah. I, it's it's not it's something that I've only recently realized is the is what is happening. See, what I thought is he got splattered with the blood so many times before he died that the alien blood kept him alive. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You've what? Seen, you yeah. have seen you have seen too many movies with magic blood, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, true, but like he does even more crazy shit after that. And it seems to make him even more alive. Like he starts off not really being able to talk after he kind of wakes back up and then he like (laughs) stuffs more things into his brain and then he eventually learns how to talk again. That's what I thought I was watching. (laughs) I don't think that that's, that's in the movie party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. I, again, am making up my own plot. Barry and Frank are watching the house and come up with a plan. They're going to skip the paperwork and go in after midnight. Derek has made it back to his hidden car and he, we'll talk about the car later. So, we, we have <laughs> so to, many things just are not I know explained. You wanna, I know you want to talk about the car. We actually don't see the big reveal of the car yet. So we will talk about the car when that actually But like that that's not happens. explained. Oh, it's just so many things are not explained. So <laughs> wait. He puts a top hat on to keep his brain in. Which he had in the car. Which he had in the car, but then passes out. Assuming that that's part of his regular wardrobe. I think it's It might be one of his friend's hats. Or a disguise. (laughs) True. True. Um, And then back at the muscle car, they're going to have to issue a gun to Ozzy, but don't forget about his personality disorder. (laughs) Frank throws Ozzy the keys to the boot or trunk for the Americans listening. Ozzy... (laughs) <laughs> he does yes. a little, yeah. yeah, I thought of you. But it wasn't super awkward. It was like, I'd do that. <laughs> it's open season on ETs. Yeah. They load up. Frank stops Ozzy from pulling out Chekhov's wooden weapons crate from the boot. <laughs> Which I think we all knew what it was going to be. Did you know what it was going to be? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the 80s. It's something in a wooden crate. They chat about when and how they're allowed to use force. 
and get, as they're getting changed into kind of like boiler suits and balaclavas. That say SAS on the side. Oh yeah, they got <laughs> SAS patches. <laughs> and we get my favorite dialogue of the movie. Don't you forget, Oz, we're only authorized to use violence when there's a threat to the planet Earth. And the moon. Yeah, and the moon. I don't know why, but that cracks me the fuck up every time. I love it because like in this movie, there's an assumption that this is the first time it's ever happened, but also they're advanced enough to like, they can protect the moon if they it's have, in danger. They, they have rules. They have yeah. a series of things that will, need to, that, will, that will happen if they do in fact need to protect the moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frank says that they should have a look around for a parked spaceship. I didn't write down who says it, but somebody says they might have come in a telephone box. Doctor Who reference. Ozzy said that. Doctor Who is canon. Yeah. The signal to the base, if there is actually an invasion going on. Do you remember it? It is. Fuck. Uh, It is the bastards have landed. The bastards bastards have landed. landed. Yeah. That night at the house, we see a shadow of an alien of the alien leader transforming from his alien form into a human (laughs) form. Just before we get past this scene, was anyone else super thankful that they started getting changed into those outfits? Because there was just a good solid couple of seconds where one of them was walking around with no pants on. Well, yeah. So Barry (laughs) takes his pants off because they've got also because they've got blood and and alien gore all over. Yeah, but like he's just like not getting changed for a bit. It's like it's like (laughs) it's like if they're a road crew, right? If they're civil servants and like, oh, I dirtied up my... And yeah, you just take your they know off. what they're doing, Man, but it's not you know said times, to the audience. Do you know how many times I've seen a, an athlete just get undressed in front of me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get to that. Put a, just to put a uniform on or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I get that, but it's not introduced. To the, it's not like shown really purposefully to well, the see, aliens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to the yeah. aliens, to the audience. To the Fuck. Aliens. To the aliens. <laughs> the leader of the aliens walks out to the top of the stairs to address his alien goon troops. They're going home tomorrow. It's important that they stay in their human form because budget. And this is as the boys are sneaking into the house. They synchronize their watches. 1201. Check. Ozzy checks his wrist. He doesn't have a watch. He says check anyway. (laughs) Barry has a watch with a picture of Charles and Diana on its face. Yeah. (laughs) So many questions about the, uh, the Commonwealth patriotism here. They sneak into the house while the leader is still speaking. Yeah, and yeah, we learned that Alien Jackson's name is Robert. I'm going to continue to call him Alien Jackson. <laughs> In the kitchen, the boys find the floor is covered with blood and Barry starts mopping it up because somebody could get hurt. It's slippery. <laughs> I love this shit. This is what I mean about like uh, from, from them gearing up to the end of the movie, the movie actually starts to be more polished. I don't think the movie was necessarily shot more polished in a loose term. I don't think the movie was necessarily, necessarily shot in order, but it definitely feels like it gets better made as the movie goes movie goes on and i feel like business like this is better than a lot of the business that happens that happens this stuff is probably the stuff that was more planned a lot of the earlier stuff is trying to time and and improvised yeah this this weekend i can shoot part of the cliff thing and then yeah yeah. whereas this part i think obviously because of all of the um effects work and stuff would have needed to be more planned. Yeah. Frank sneaks into the hall to listen to the leader and we find out, yes, the aliens are there to harvest us as samples for fast food. You can fit a whole town in some cardboard boxes if you slice them just right. Frank looks back into the kitchen towards a stack of bloody cardboard boxes. Derek was right. (laughs) A tall alien goon carrying a glass bowl comes into the kitchen and they take him down silently. And then Ozzy just rips his head and spine off and blood sprays everywhere. Yeah. Barry, 
I've just cleaned that bit. <laughs> yeah. I love the spine work they do as well. And yeah. he has to like stamp off the spine. It gets fully fatalities. Yeah. Gee, they come to bits easy. And then Ozzy punts the head out a window. The old magic is still there. Yeah. Is he referring to like him being like, him a, being footy a, like player? a footy player? Yeah. Back in the, back in the day. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Frank puts on the goon shirt and then takes the bowl and heads into the hall to blend in as the leader is still talking. I love in this section, he walks in and just kind of like walks into the crowd like, hey, how you doing? And just like kind of backs in. It's so subtle, but it's so fucking dumb. The leader is telling his goons that their work has done crumbs, crunchy delights proud and there shouldn't be any more trouble, um, but they're going to be handing out guns just in case. The leader is certain that that when the homo sapien taste takes the galaxy by storm, crumbs, crunchy delight will be back on top. McGabalo's fried moon rat won't know what hit them. Genius. These are lines of dialogue said in this movie. But isn't yep. isn't this like the kind of like, uh, 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 it's the kind of creativity that you'd feel in like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, it feels a little, this feels a little Hitchhiker. Yeah, yeah, I love it. In terms of like, there's two competing franchises of fast food in the universe Yeah, that are going around. Yeah, that feels a little Douglas. But they've all, yeah, they've just taken it and gone, it's it's the universe. Like we can get kind of silly, and it's still also be feels fine. kind of Rick and Morty ish. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Alien Jackson <laughs> stage dives, and the goons carry him to the glass bowl that Frank is holding, where he starts to vomit hypercolored green slime. Is this human meat that he's I, preparing? I I have no explanation for the gruel. Yeah. I'll just tell you okay. that right now. All I know is that the vomiting head is a hand puppet of Peter Jackson's face with a funnel in the back of it. Oh, fuck yes. So that he did a, a face mold of himself and then they turned him into a hand puppet. No wonder he's so fucking good at like making these camera contraptions because like he's a fucking gore fanboy. Of course he's gotten creative to like make shit. You know what I mean? Love it. And of course they all start taking turns drinking from the gruel slime. I got a chunky bit. <laughs> oh, I'm so lucky. I got a chunky bit. Yeah. Frank keeps moving down the line to get away from the bowl, but ends up having to drink it. And Ozzy is watching him and has a bit of a laugh. That was the weirdest scene. Because he seems to also enjoy. Yeah, because doesn't he go back for a yeah. sip? Yeah, because it's good. Yeah. But like Ozzy's watching it, he's like caught him out in doing something. It's the creepiest smile Ozzy has while he's watching it. And then it's like, nah, he's just enjoying his friend drinking vomit. Frank goes back to the kitchen. You'll never believe what I just had to do. Did you have to drink some chuck? (laughs) You've been waiting for the New Zealand accent. I promised myself I wouldn't do a New Zealand accent (laughs) out of respect for the people of New Zealand (laughs) during this podcast. But I could not help myself and say chuck. And then we cut to a, a shot of the outside of the house. Good night, boys. Good night, Reg. As all the lights turn off from yep. the alien leader. So the boys rescue Giles from the basement and then go to sneak out. And the sun is up. Sun's just up. It's a very quick night. Yeah, yeah. it's just suddenly day. And also now there are alien goons patrolling the grounds with AK-47s. And they can't get out the front door. So they head upstairs where they open a door and see two aliens playing hand clapping games. Yeah, yeah. this part I appreciated. Kira's a big fan of hand clapping I games. I love hand clapping games. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of fun. Then a goon who is walking downstairs, there's this kind of moment of, did 
he hear us or did he not hear us? But then he pulls his gun and they shoot him and it's on. It's the boys versus aliens. This is like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man clip with Green Goblins. Like, mm, I know someone's here, but I'm not going to turn around and make it obvious. Yeah. Get the bastards. Yeah. Is it just me or like- It is always just you. It is always just me. But what I, what I mean is, is the acting intentionally shit? No, these are not actors. I, I know that, but are like, are they particularly trying to like They'd, ham it up a yeah, little bit and oh, be dumb? The whole movie is hammed up. Yeah, okay. That is very intentional. They yeah. are not professional actors. So what do you do when you're not a professional actor? You make a meal out of everything because yeah. you, you, it's easy. Yeah, okay. Because even, even the people who have no name, who are literally only have their face in one thing, they're like, they're just having fun with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also Peter Jackson is, it's interesting because I can draw a direct line from this movie to meets back on the menu boys. Yeah. In Lord of the Rings. The way yeah. the orcs behave. And like throw the meat around and how it kind of gets slapsticky. It's the same person. That's so funny. It's the same person, except that now it's on a massive scale and he has learned to rein in the stuff that makes him laugh because he's making a Lord of the Rings movie, but he also can't help himself and insert it into the movie. On the commentary track, I think that line is in Two Towers. Is that line Two Towers? Uh, It's the second one. Yeah, Two Towers. Yeah. On the commentary track that he is on with his co-writer, Philippa Boyens, and his both creative and life partner, Fran Walsh, who's the other screenwriter of those movies, they groan and roll their eyes and talk about how that's how that's Peter's sense of humor on the comment, on the commentary track. And there, you can draw a direct line to bad dude, taste. As soon as you said that, like my mind just like it was like I saw all of the Lord of the Rings <laughs> at once. There are so many bits to that movie where it's just like this film, like the face yeah. acting, the silliness of it. It's everywhere in so the, that franchise. Some of the orcs. Are, yeah. not, are not people in this movie, but some of the orcs are from his next movie, uh, well, his next live action movie. Guy, Brain Dead. Act, there's an actor named, yeah, Jed Brophy, who is in uh, Brain Dead or Dead Alive, who also is like an orc that is featured in all three of those three of those. Movies. Is he the one missing the eye? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a, there's a direct connection. That's his oh, sense of humor. That's awesome. That's completely his sense of, sense of humor. And it's in The Frighteners as well. And- Less so in stuff like Heavenly Creatures and the Lovely and the Lovely Bones, but yeah, he has a sensibility. He has like a very silly sensibility to him. It's also that very started um, to disappear from his movies as his movies went on. Don't you feel like that kind of uh, silly comedy as well is very British, uh, New Zealander, and Australia? Yeah, that physicality of the face acting and that kind of silly comedy. You know, a little it's, bit. Yeah. It's very um, sketch comedy of that yeah, era. It comes from. Yeah, British sensibility. Yeah. That's then leaked across to Australia and New Zealand where that doesn't really – it's not what you see in a lot of American movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I fucking love it. They start – the boys start shooting everything that moves. And through this sequence and most of the movies, all of the guns pretty much, except for the AKs and some of the handheld weapons, aren't real guns. They're aluminium pipe and plaster painted and drilled and bolted together to look like real guns – Fuck yeah. The clips are made out of cardboard. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And all of the muzzle flashes are superimposed on the film afterwards. So whenever you see them firing guns, they're just pretending and shaking the guns like they're little kids pretending (sighs) 
to play guns. Amazing. That's fantastic. That is so That's fucking a good. Fun time. Imagine making that because fucking film. It's New oh Zealand in the 80s and you can't get access to a lot of, of real guns and you can't afford blanks. Yeah. Right? So it's a lot of, there is some blanks later on. Most of the time it's just the them pretending to have real guns and shaking. Is that like the magnum they've got, work? They've got real, uh, recoil. The blanks, is that in the magnum? Uh, there's a handgun later that's got some blanks uh, and okay. one of the AKs has has some blanks. Okay. There's actually a couple of shots where the muzzle flashes stop and they is still shaking the guns. Yes, I love that. They end up splitting up with Giles going with Ozzy upstairs and Frank and Barry heading downstairs. There's a weird bit in a room where there's an alien drinking from a glass of whiskey with a hat on and then Ozzy shoots him in the head and we get a, a like a blood splatter effect on the wall behind him, but then a stream of blood goes out of his head and fills the glass he was drinking out of. Yeah, that was so Just bizarre. a random piece of like, yeah. oh, like we can do this effect, so let's just have them walk into a room and have that happen. Did you notice yeah. the blood splatter on the back of the wall? Is in a shape. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. It's in a, there's a big circular gap in the middle. Yeah. Because clearly there was a device and it stopped the blood from, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Derek is awakened by a seagull shitting on him. That's right. I fucking forgot yep. about Derek. He's been unconscious all night. The whole movie forgot about Derek. Yeah. Poor uh, Derek. <laughs> okay. Now we can talk about his car. He gets in his car and starts his car. And I don't know what kind of car it is, but he is sitting on a stool to drive it behind where you would imagine the front seats would be. Yeah. And in the windscreen are cutouts of the Beatles. It's yep. clearly like one of those like festival cars or like a, a, a carnival car or something that's like made to look like the Beatles are driving this thing. Yes. But like what I'm thinking is like, what is the fucking explanation for this car? There is no explanation of any kind. None at all. Yeah, Does so- Is his like cover that he goes from town to town and like <laughs> pretends that he drives I this think, silly car? I honestly think, I think it comes down to they have access to this car they either own this car or it's a car of a is a car of a friend. Peter Jackson loves the Beatles. Oh, you know the what Beatles, I reckon? The Beatles is? are in this movie because it's filmed in his hometown. Yeah. I bet you it's just one of those icons that are in a hometown. You know how like yeah, there's just be. something that like people know inside a town. Yeah, there's that guy that drives that Beatles car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's it. I hate it because it's so frustrating that I, there's no explanation for it. Yeah, but there's I also no reason love for it. him to be driving that car. But None at all. It's it's very cute. <laughs> Back at the house, the boys are pulling a discount Commando, mowing down everything that they can. We uh we watched Commando last week. It was a good time. I really want to watch a cut of this film with no sounds or muzzle flashes now. <laughs> <laughs> Frank and Barry, uh, there's so much fucking. I'm gonna. I'm not doing every beat of this because there is oh. so – I'm going to do lots of beats. I'll do okay. all the good beats. But there is so much of this stuff where they are just firing guns at and mowing people down. Every um, comedic beat that you could like possibly use with like a gun and people falling down dead is they use them. Yeah. And, and sometimes they do it twice. Yeah. Um, inside the alien leader is creeping around trying not to be seen. There is a fun bit where Frank gets pinned down on the grass and can't figure out where he's being shot from. Uh, and the gunfire is coming from a tree and he fires at the tree and six fucking aliens fall out of the tree. <laughs> Hold on. Including aliens that have already been killed inside. It's the exact same guys <laughs> because they don't have that many people to be aliens. Yeah, also, that makes sense. I was how, wondering when that was going to happen. 
Also, how many times, like, how long does it take for him to figure out where the bullets are coming from? Like, that hint, that little bit, little business of him figuring out where the bullets are coming from is like, he sits up, they shoot. He rolls to the side, they shoot. He rolls to the other side, they shoot. He moves, like, I don't Barely. know, like six or seven different times. And if yeah. there's six people shooting, why do they not cover an entire yeah. area? <laughs> anyway, the house. We should talk about the house. Yep. The house is Gear House, which is a historical home in New Zealand. Peter Jackson's dad knew the caretakers of that house. At that point, the house was just a historical house and it had people that took care of it, but it wasn't anything other than just a house that was sitting there, right? Right. So Peter Jackson's dad asked the caretakers if his son could come up one afternoon to shoot, uh, to do some shooting for a short film and use the house and they'll be very respectful and everything will be, you know, they, they won't um, do any damage or whatever and that they agreed. Mr. and Mrs. Steele, who were the caretakers of the house, agreed. Mm-hmm. Peter Jackson ended up going back to that house 40 times over the... <laughs> Holy <laughs> Over shit. the span of the four years to get all the shots that they needed. And... They never did any damage to the house. They were Good always job. very respectful and put things back when they use them. There are actually sequences. I think it's earlier. There's a sequence where you can see that there is um, like blankets laid out on all the floors. And I think it, I think it might be for the vomiting sequence. It's clearly uh. so that they don't dirty up the floor and the car and the carpet because they're not there through any of the other scenes. Uh. I didn't write down a note of where that happens, but but it does definitely definitely happen during one sequence. Yeah. The house was also used in the Australian New Zealand kids TV show Mirror Mirror from the mid 90s. Uh. It's the same the, the kids the kids in the show live in that house and it's now a cafe and restaurant. <laughs> Smart. And if we ever make it to that part of New Zealand, we're going to that house. Hell yeah. We're going to have brunch. You no mean when works. we go, Kim, you'll take me, right? Yeah, okay. Guys, don't exclude me. <laughs> From our marriage? <laughs> I'm part of it, right? I mean. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a podcast question, Bernie. Uh, we all know. Ozzy and Giles end up outside on a balcony that has this kind of interesting elevated walkway that goes off it onto onto a hill. Wait, as in you can walk off the balcony onto a hill? It's like a second entrance into the house. It just is like from the second level that goes to the hill. I did not notice that. Okay. Ozzy and Giles end up outside on, yeah, the balcony with the elevated walkway. Um, Reg, the chef, attacks Ozzy with his machete. Ozzy loses his gun and Giles ends up getting knocked out. There's a lot of business here, but another goon grabs Ozzy and as Reg goes to slash at him, Ozzy flips over him and Reg slashes the goon across the stomach. And we get a stomach split and intestine. Yeah, that was great. I love, I love that even in this movie we get the, oh, the big goon can take more damage, so I've oh, got yeah. to run. They do the yeah. punching and yeah. he punches it a bunch of times and it does nothing. It's, it's the, in every action it's the, movie. It's the classic big yeah. henchman versus man who thinks he's tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ozzy ends up suplexing Reg over a balcony and he crunches to the ground with the grace of a man that's just turned into a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then Giles is gone. We don't, he's gone missing. He was grabbed by another goon. Derek arrives at the beach path below the house. Up on the hill, the boys are still mowing down aliens and some stray shots go through a fence down to the beach where Derek dances to avoid them, but his hat is shot off his head. <laughs> He needs that to live. And the back (laughs) of his head peels down and he has another seizure. Ozzy rescues Giles from being executed uh, with a headshot to the goon. I bet that cleared his sinuses. Yeah. 
And back on the beach, Derek struggles to pull off his belt and strap around his head to keep his brain in. I'm That's a more sh- permanent solution than the hat. Yeah, it, is, it was yeah. clever. And I think that there's there's a section cut out of this as what well, cut out of this as well. I think there's longer with the brain kind of pulsing out of the back of the head. Ah. Um, and he stands up and unfortunately there is a bit of his own brain underneath his feet. Yeah. He doesn't stuff this back into his head, does he? He does not. Yeah. He does later stuff some yeah. brain <laughs> yeah. matter into his into his head. The boys are trying to look for a way out and Derek ends up back in his car driving around to the top of the hill, you would assume. He runs a goon over who splits in half and his just intestines just go everywhere. Yeah. And then we get a we do get a fun gag with the windscreen wipers wiping blood off the faces of the beetles who are inside the car. <laughs> <laughs> and while Derek is still having some issues controlling his body, he jumps out of the car and in the floor there is a keypad. It's just a calculator. Yeah, yeah. I thought it looked dodgy. I own that calculator. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sure I own that exact <laughs> calculator. Uh, a panel opens up in the floor of the car to reveal a big red chainsaw sitting in a silk-lined box. Is this an Evil Dead reference? So Evil Dead is before this movie. It's like 1983 is when Evil Dead came out. Okay. So, yeah, there's every chance that Peter Jackson has seen Evil Dead in that time. And just thought, that's fucking cool, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But it's not like- I can't confirm that. Evil Dead hadn't got the cult status that it had by that point. No, I mean, it would have been- Peter Jackson was seen on VHS, like like everybody else saw Evil Dead. Yeah. It may have been in, there may have been articles about it in Fangoria magazine. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He goes to leave and the goon that he cut in half with the car throws a pine cone at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the top half of him throws a pine cone at him. Yeah. Makes me laugh. I thought he was going to come back and get in with the chainsaw, but he just leaves he him. He just leaves him. Yeah. <laughs> and then the boys are pinned down. The geography is like, they yeah, just, all they're inside, the shop. they're outside, they're on the porch, they're upstairs. They, at one point they're out in the yard and then it's just kind of fucking all over the place. But the leader comes out onto the balcony and watches before sneaking. He sneaks down into the yard. I don't know why he goes into the, into the front yard. Yeah. This is so fucking dumb. They, the funny thing is, is like, we love, we've spoken about how we love movies that are spatially aware. And this is, not and this is the complete opposite, but I fucking love it because it's just like, I don't give a fuck about it's, whether or not it's spatially I mean, this aware. This shot over like years and you're trying to remember and just yeah. piecing pieces together and okay, well, we've got 10 guys today that we can mow down. So let's do all that stuff. And oh, it's different. And yeah. then years later, you're trying to cut it together. You know what? A plan. You know what this feels like when you like, Pretended to have like gun battles when you yes. were friends in your backyard. That's, that's what I like. Yeah. That's what they're doing with the guns. They're yeah. playing like kids with guns. Yeah, they fully are. They shoot at the leader who's hiding behind a bush as reinforcements <laughs> arrive. Barry kills six goons at once by unloading his um, handgun clip. That's the real gun that's got, got blanks on ah. it, I'm pretty sure, because it's got smoke and stuff coming out of it. Ah. So I think, and it looks different than all the other muscle flashes. It looks like a it kind looks, of real it looks gun. Like a real gun. So Barry fights a goon that's got a hatchet and puts Reg's machete into his head. Robert, uh, Alien Jackson, appears with an AK, fires at Barry, just completely misses. Barry throws the machete at him and it goes right through his throat. And you can see the rig holding the machete in place, half machete in place. Ah, I missed that. You just see it. It's in one, what's funny is it's in one shot where Alien Jackson gets pinned to the, yeah. to the wall. They cut away and when they cut back, it's a makeup appliance. Ah. And I think that the reason it 
is the way it is is because he couldn't move with the makeup appliance on, but he could move with the rigged ver- yep. ver- version. Yep. Yeah, it's just a. It so just he did his death rattle with the rig, and then when he was just pinned there. Yeah. And even though the alien Jackson is pinned to the post, he keeps firing and a bullet hits the leader who starts transforming into his real form and so do a bunch of other alien goons. Mm. Ozzy comes and rescues Barry. They regroup and they actually leave. And the alien leader, who, by the way, his name is Lord Crumb. It's <laughs> never mentioned in the, in, the, in the movie or even in the credits, but he's referred to as Lord Crumb. Yeah. There you go. Rises up and we get our first look at the aliens of the movie and the alien on the cover. I feel it's about like, time. I feel we like literally I've got seen... like 15 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. If that. I feel like I've seen these aliens somewhere before. Is there like a not really any cameo or homage to them? No, you know, no. The, and the design is great. They look like chunky yeah. suit aliens. They this this is the point where it feels really strong, like a um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Seeing these kind of aliens and the yeah. bit with the house later on. Yeah, and and the aliens have got like kind of lots of bulges and and bits and pieces and you can see their tiny alien butt cheeks poking out of their jeans. Yep. We get a line from Lord Crumb. You three kill them, the rest of you get these bodies on the ship. Who who rest of them? Because there is only <laughs> Three alien goons and Lord <laughs> Crumb for the entire rest of the movie because they can only make four suits. Yeah. Awesome. So you never see more than three of the regular goon aliens at a time. Perfect. The boys and Giles are chased to their muscle car. They get in and peel out as goons fire at them and then give them the finger. Uh, one of the goons tries to cut them off, but Ozzy shoots him. But the car starts smoking and dies in a field. Should have got a hold of Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just such an Australian New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. So of the times. Yeah. They start out on foot, but Ozzy stops, de-gears into his red muscle shirt. Yeah. He's going full Rambo. He's going back to stop the bastards because who else is going to do it? Yeah. By the time that they try to get help here, it'll all be over. And of course, Ozzy goes straight to the boot for Chekhov's wooden box. And what is it, Ken? Well- he hides as goons approach the car, and uh, it's a uh, it's an RPG. Yep, it's the uh, fabled open the crate. There's a little bit of hay. Fucking RPG, of course. Yep. Yep. Inside the car, the aliens are pretending to drive the car. Yeah. And accidentally turn the radio on. <laughs> I love that bit of business. <laughs> Good fun. Aussie fires at the car, and we see the rocket fly from the bazooka across towards the car because it's a rocket on a wire. It's just a rocket on a piece of fishing uh. wire. Yeah, they do this several times, but there's got to be a bit of like they're in front of a screen or nothing. No, no, no. It's just a piece of fishing wire ran across. But there's real explosions and I'm just wondering what they do. Because they just time a real explosion. So it's it's in camera. There's no effects there. No, no, no. They blew up a car for real. But what I'm saying is, it's not it's not like two shots put together. Okay, so you just have a you have a fake rocket on a wire. And it runs down the wire towards the thing that you want to explode. And when it gets to the thing that you want to explode, a man pushes a button on a real explosive. <laughs> it sounds so simple when you explain it. <laughs> when like I that. explain it. <laughs> but like it happens two other times in the movie. I'm like, how did they do that? Is there like Just a model the in the background? Way? We'll talk we okay. will talk about the I think that you were more interested in talking about the second time that yes. it happens. And we will talk about that when we get to it, which isn't that far away. Okay. Yeah. The car explosion is fucking cool though. It's a real car. It's a completely different car. 
<laughs> they cut from a shot of the rocket going towards the muscle car. They cut away. They cut back, and it's a completely different car. It's like a blue sedan. The blue sedan. <laughs> It's great. Uh, and there is a credit in the end credits for car explosion, which is obviously they knew a guy that could blow up a car. Nice. That was my car. <laughs> Frank is pissed off. He heads back to follow Ozzy, who has taken two more rockets and he's heading back towards the house. Inside the house, Lord Crumb tells the goons it's time to go home. And yeah, here Ozzy fires a rocket at the house. And in a single shot, we watch Ozzy fire the rocket. It goes towards the house into the house before it explodes a corner of the second floor. Yeah. It's a forced perspective model shot. Yeah, right, okay. So Ozzy is really standing there. He really like fake fires a rocket that's on a wire that goes into the house with for- with enough force and then they and then they blow up the corner of the house with a with a model. Right. So there is a model in the background. Yeah. This is the first of three models they built of the house, each for a different purpose that I will talk about as they appear. This one was five metres tall. It was a five-metre replica of the house. How much money went into this? Okay, so this is interesting. So I I didn't even write this down, but I figured that somebody would ask at some point. The budget of this movie? Let's let's, let's play the classic game. Closest without going over. What do you got? Uh, now, I will, what I will say is there are technically there are kind of two budgets. There's the bu- amount of money that Peter Jackson spent to make the movie and then there's the extra money that was spent to finish the movie. I'm interested in the first, in the first number. Not including camera? 25 grand. 30. 25. Bullshit. 25 grand. Hell, thank you. Now, an extra 100 and something or more was spent on post-production once the New Zealand Film Commission got involved to finish the movie. Now, I don't know how finished the movie was when they got involved, so some of the money could have been spent on this stuff to finish the end of the movie because this feels where, like, this is where our money was spent for this Yeah. But very good guess, Brody. Thank you. You get a nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Frank catches up with Ozzy and asks him what the hell he's doing because it's a historical homestead. Jesus, Oz, what are you doing? It's an historical homestead. (laughs) Lord Crumb, still alive in the debris. Wankers. Frank and Ozzy head in to get him and they do cool stuff. Like there's debris everywhere all over the yard. So, uh, and there's smoke and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like I said, this is where the money is in this, yeah. in this movie. What well, little there is. Inside, they kill a bunch of goons and then Derek finally arrives with his chainsaw. He starts cutting a hole into the side of the, side of the house. Right next to the door. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That is fucking <laughs> silly, man. It's Yeah, I'm, that's silly. <laughs> Yeah, everything else in this bloody movie was so yeah. spot on. Derek has cut his silhouette, cartoon silhouette, <laughs> with the, the chainsaw. Side of the house, yeah, and enters. He slashes bits off a goon that kind of go everywhere. That feels a little Evil Daddy to yeah. me. That feels like yeah. Evil Dead Two or Evil Dead or even Army of Darkness, which Army of Darkness I guess is after this. But there yeah. is like he slashes and then a bit splats against the wall, and he slashes and another bit splats against the wall. Yeah, okay. Which that feels very Sam Raimi esque to me. Okay. Ozzy is searching for the leader and then Derek picks up some alien brain and jams it into the back of his own skull. See what I mean? Like it feels like he's like revived with alien blood and he wants to get stronger. So he's he's putting alien brain in. I think he'll take any (laughs) brain he can get right now. Yeah, fair. Upstairs, Frank and Ozzy get cornered by a goon with an AK, but Derek chainsaws him in half through a wall. Some Looney Tunes shit starts to happen right now. We get like a... 
anatomical cutaway of this alien. Yeah. Then he sticks his head through the hole. Bastards. <laughs> He's gone apeshit. It's fucking wild what happens from this they point They run on. away from him because they think he's gone completely psychopathic at this point. Which he's fucking about to. And he's kind of chasing them with the chainsaw and chainsawing whatever the fuck is in his way. They go outside and run. Like, they've just given up on trying to trying to find, yeah. find the leader. Lord Crumb kind of shoots at them. Ozzy gets hit in the leg. Frank grabs the RPG and fires. And it goes through the window past Crumb past Derek, and then out the Derek-shaped hole to blow up a sheep. So dumb. I love the sheep explosion. There had to be it's a sheep inclusion. Yeah. This was meant to be a running gag. Uh, they were meant to accidentally kill sheep through the whole movie, and they only ever ended up shooting one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think it plays better for that. Yeah. Crumb and Derek face off. Crumb kicks Derek right in the little Ringo star and runs to his control room for the ship. And starts the launch sequence. The porch lifts up and the lawn starts to get to starts to get sucked in. And you see the bridge like folds in like the, yeah, um, the bridge on a normal um, like on a space shuttle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a space shuttle gantry. Yeah. yeah. Frank and Ozzy are almost sucked under the house, but get out of it. And then the house rumbles, blows smoke, and takes off as they run to safety with Derek still inside. This is the second model. This is a one meter model. And it is attached to the end of the camera crane that they had built. Oh, which I was is, wondering how they fucking did all the like plants moving and shit. Which is it's all the model. Which is hidden by the smoke belching out the bottom and a little bit of light. With a little bit of help, there is a second. So there's a shot of it taking off like from the side of the house and then they do a front on shot, which is the house really going up into the sky. And for that shot, they're using a small foreground model of a hill to blend it into the scenery. So there's a model, there's a tiny model of the hill in front of the camera and then the house actually lifts from behind that to, mm. to show it taking off. It's amazing. It's great stuff. It's fucking clever. That's such fun stuff. Frank looks up at the sky. Bastards. We should do a bastard count for this movie. So many <laughs> bastards. <laughs> they do it a lot. And in space, no one can hear Derek creep. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Lord Crumb makes a phone call. They lost all the uh, third-class labourers but got some great samples. He'll be home in 20 minutes. Is he calling his wife to let her know that he's on his way home? This sounds like that a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just fun. That's just a fun detail. He hears the sound of a chainsaw coming from somewhere in the house and goes to investigate, and Derek gets the drop on him, literally, cutting a hole in the roof above him. Looney Tunes shit. A perfectly circular hole yeah. that he cuts with this, chain, with this chainsaw. And then what does he do, Ken? Does he go fucking full batshit insane and do one of the most <laughs> fucked up things that I've ever seen in any movie? <laughs> Suck my spinning steel, shithead. Suck my spinning steel, shithead. <laughs> Derek dives through the hole, chainsaw first, and cuts his way through Lord Crumb, top to bottom, following the path of the chainsaw, with his feet sticking out of Crumb's head. As he makes his way through the body of Lord Crumb. It's fucking wild. Popping his head out of the hole that he's created at the bottom of Lord Crumb and crawling out before looking straight at the fucking camera and saying, I'm born again. Yeah. Did So you can imagine that teenage Ken. Found that hilarious. And loved inflicting that on other people. Yeah. (laughs) Did, Did it ring of... Ace Ventura 2 when he pulls himself out of the this rhino like for anyone else. This is like a decade before that. I know that, but did it, did it like the visceral like- No, because I've only seen that movie once. Oh, it it really rang of that for me, except 
covered in blood and viscera. Oh yeah. So yeah. much visceral. It was it was fucking it was fucking wild. We see the house spinning through space. This is the third model. It's a really small one. Did it's they actually, put it in space? Oh uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> it's literally made out of cardboard boxes, this this house. Yep. And it is sitting on a gramophone so that it will spin. Hey. Fuck people are clever. Just like no budget filmmaking at its at its finest. And inside, <laughs> Derek is wearing Lord Crumb's skin like a suit. Fucking wild. And makes a call home. I'm coming to get you bastards. <laughs> Fucking wild. It's just insanity. It's just such, it's fun. It, it really is wild. I love the way this movie ends up. I understand, I can under, yep. as I said before, I understand like being with for the, like the first half hour or so being like, oh, this is just bad. But it <laughs> ramps up to such a degree that it is so wildly entertaining. Yeah, the amount of times I asked throughout this film, like, uh, so this is my experience. As soon as we got to the point where like the guy with the axe was chasing our kind of- Barry. Like, yeah, yeah was, chasing, was chasing Barry. And he got caught on the fence with his axe and didn't know how to move past because the axe was caught on the fence. <laughs> yeah. And like he didn't fully realize he was in a three-dimensional space. I was like, all right, I'm in this movie. I'm I'm down. <laughs> <You're> down. <laughs> but the whole time I'm going, what the fuck is this movie? The the whole time. Yeah. And then when it goes to the point where he was wearing the fucking skin of this alien creature <laughs> and he's just covered in blood, I was like, this movie went to places I did not fucking see it going. <laughs> it's hey. a ride, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, absolutely positively a ride. And then, so we're not done yet. On Earth, uh, the theme song from the movie, Bad Taste, plays, and Frank and Ozzy pick up Barry and Giles in the Beatlemobile, and we get like Predator style or sitcom style yeah. name credits for everybody, and they ride off into the drive off into the sunset. The song was written and performed by Mike Minette, Frank. And his band, The Remnants. No. <laughs> yes. That's wild. Also in the credits, uh, just a note, the editor of this movie is Jamie Selkirk. Uh, he edited and became producer on all of Peter Jackson's movies up until The Fellowship of the Ring. Hmm. He had planned on editing all three of the Lord of the Rings movies himself, but ended up only editing Return of the King uh, because he was a supervising editor for the other two, other two movies. So he was the big dog. Yeah. He also edited uh, King Kong for Peter Jackson. And wow. also in the in the thank yous, there is a thank you for Francis Walsh, who Fran Walsh, who is his co-writer and li- and life partner. Right. So I just thought that that was kind of kind of cute as well. Yeah. So they would have been dating or knew each other? Yeah. Yeah. I Probably dating cuz like you got to have she a lot started of, as a she started have a lot of patience for <laughs> someone making a film on the weekends. Yeah, she started working with him on things and then they became partners. Right. As far as I know, that's uh, just what I know, but I don't know when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So Maybe but they've been to, they're still together. They've got, they've got a, quite a, a few kids together. Their kids are in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, an appropriate age to have seen <laughs> bad taste. Kira just Fuck. Ma- basically emotionally crawled onto the table. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I would have fucking frothed this movie at like 10 to 12. I think that's probably – about right for when people would enjoy it, yeah. This movie is rated R18 yeah, in Australia, which is the highest rating that we have. Well, we do have higher, which yeah, is unclassified. Yeah, uh, it doesn't need to be rated that high. It's the gore. People were more sensitive with people like, were that super, kind of yeah. gore. Much more shocked by that stuff. It was banned in Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but I it, think because it's, just it's like not ooze. realistic. Like if it was realistic gore to that level, then yeah, R rating. But because it's 
comical because it's clearly not real. I think it's fine. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to watch it when I was 10. I don't want to watch it now. But <laughs> <laughs> You've been in good sport for somebody that did not enjoy this movie, I must say. Thank yeah. You. I think anywhere between like 10 and 16, it's sort of like a – I feel like it's sort of a tween teenage show all your friends and gross yeah. them out yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, exactly what it was. So I was either 11 or 12. I couldn't figure out which when I saw this for the first time. Yeah. So Sounds you about guys right. were, yeah. were spot on. Yeah. Carly would, would have been 13 and I would have been 11 or, 11 or 12 when I yep. saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to have a word with her. <laughs> <laughs> would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? I feel like I would to do a to you do, and yeah. subject people to this film. This movie is a virus. You must pass it yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies where it's like the only purpose I have of watching this movie again is to watch it with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And yeah. I honestly think that, Kira, you would have enjoyed the movie more if we had sat and watched it together. Yeah, probably. Or, because I think that you would have been like, what the fuck the entire time to me <laughs> and I would have just laughed my ass off to you. Yeah, it would have been more entertaining to watch with people, I think. Yeah, it plays is great with a crowd. Like yeah. You get five people together in a room and put this movie yeah. on. Like, I think sitting sitting down because I have to watch this to write notes on it on my own is not the way that I was ever going to enjoy this experience movie. Experience the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a rating for bad taste. The way that we rate movies is on a five-star scale with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being there were parts of this movie I liked, it was fine, three being I like this movie, four being I love this movie, five being this is one of my favourite movies of all time. Who's first? Two. Ooh, you did not like this movie. You didn't I, even like parts of it. It just there was no appeal. Technically, I did like parts of it in that I liked the effects work. Like yeah. I liked the story behind it. But it was agonising yeah. to get but there. But couldn't give it that as a rating. Yeah, because I feel like. I like parts of it should include the plot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Totally, totally fair. Brody. Uh, solid five. four. Solid four. I would four. have given it a five, but. It's, it's not one of your favorite movies of all time. It's not one of my favorite movies of all time. No way. But I fucking love it. It's like Future Cop 2 I gave a five because it was fucking ridiculous. This is similarly ridiculous. But it's, uh, I think the quality issue creeps in a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like, yeah, Future Cop 2 is shit. Well, but it's Future like, Cop 2 is still a professionally made film. Exactly. It's ineptly a professionally yes. made film, but it is a professionally made film. <laughs> yeah. This is an amateur production. Yes. Kira, as much as I like gave Kira a little bit of shit at the beginning to say it's kind of like a student film, yeah. it is kind of like a student film. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Especially at the start. It has so such student film uh, where just friends on, on the weekend making, making a fucking up around making yeah. at that, that Those first few scenes, just that's the whole vibe. Yeah, considering like even tiny budget films these days are around like what? Five hundred to a million dollars, and it was made on twenty five yeah. grand. Is fucking like the, wild. The back half feels more not professionally done, but because it's got like proper costumes and more bigger effects, to it. and even actual effects with the with the flashes on the guns and stuff, oh, makes that, it feel like more of a real movie. Yeah, that is something that Peter Jackson had been fucking around with since he was a little kid. When he made he made like a World War One short film when he was like sixteen or seventeen because he was always been obsessed with World War One and they had fake guns for that as well just wooden like balsa wood like machine guns and stuff the way he did the muzzle flashes was to put pinholes in the film 
So it would fuck. He's so, so clever. So it would flash light through them. <laughs> That's so fucking clever. The inventiveness. Yeah. yeah. How how many like productions had he done by that point? He had start as he says on the um the the mini doco that I watched. He had started and abandoned lots of things. He had an issue with finishing things yeah. because he had massive I ideas. He had massive ideas that he couldn't ever get to completion because his idea was way bigger than what he could actually achieve. Yeah. So the only, this was the only way he was ever going to be able to make a feature film was to make it piecemeal like this. Yeah. Is to just approach it in like, well, this weekend we're going to do this part. I can't fucking get over how fucking ingenious the pinhole thing is. Yeah. For the gun flashes. That's yeah. so yeah. clever. For me, I was going to go three and a half. Really? Yeah. Because- I do think that the first half drags, so I don't love every part of this movie, mm. but I love parts of it. Mm. So I think it might be a three and a, three and a half for me. I, I agree, but there's a, there's a charm to it. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about it is that there's nothing else that's quite like this movie. Mm. The closest analogue would be Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead, mm. in that it's a similar type of thing where it's a bunch of people who have no idea how to make a movie just going and doing it with no professional help of any kind, just doing everything themselves. So I think that that's the only movie that's kind of quite like it. And what I will also say is that I very much admit that the way the movie is made and the story of the making of the movie is much more appealing to me than the actual story of the movie. I like the idea of the of the intergalactic takeaway wars, but that's all there is in the, in the, the movie. Intergalactic takeaway wars. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to phrase it. And- for me, this very much feels like the movie version of the short films that I made when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it feels like it feels like some of the stuff of mine that you've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Run around the woods with yeah. fake guns and fake blood, just making stuff for ourselves. Yeah. I made a tiny little horror slasher movie that is of similar quality to parts of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what it feels like. Next week. Whose turn is it? Oh, no. You picked this. You think I picked this? (laughs) This would have just died on the list if you hadn't picked it. Ah, true. The way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns, picking from three choices that I have prepared from the store. This week is, in fact, Kira's pick. If a movie remains unpicked for three times, then it is struck out, taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date of my choosing. Still on the list. With two strikes. Do you guys even remember? I mean, you can see Garbage it. Pale Kids. Garbage Pale Kids. The Garbage Pale Kids movie. <laughs> yeah. I probably would have picked Garbage Pale Kids just to just to annoy Brody because he <laughs> doesn't want to watch this. But not, not after, about it. Not after. Listen, I've been trying for a long time to get a gross movie on the list and you guys kept on passing over every gross movie that was on there. We didn't do Toxic Avenger. We didn't do uh, something else that we didn't do. So I got my gross movie. So it's out of my system. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. You better put something nice on the list for me. I, yeah, I'm not doing – I didn't do any apology films. Aww. It's This isn't a um, – <laughs> I like it when I get an apology from I was hoping for Bill and Ted. No. That would be amazing. Yeah, not yet. So new on the list this week are... You've got three tapes there. Yeah, why is yeah, that three, I kid? Uh, uh, because we're recording this after work. I needed to bring tapes with me to this studio before work and I hadn't decided, so I brought more movies than I needed. Fair enough. New on the list is Drive starring Mark DeCoscos. Is this like... Was the other drive a remake? No. Oh. There are more than one movie that <laughs> share the title Drive. Kira, you know Mark DeCoscos. I do. As the chairman from Iron Chef. 
Oh, oh shit. Oh, it is too. Yo, hook now, us up. I have mentioned him before on the podcast. He is in John Wick 3. He is the fanboy assassin in John Wick 3. Is he? Yes. He played. Yeah, well, he's told you that before on the podcast. Yeah, but I, I but couldn't. Never I didn't. Anything. I didn't realize that was him. Right. He is also. He plays Eric Draven in the Crow TV series, The Crow Stairway to Heaven, and this is a '90s martial arts piece of action cinema. Trailer voice. Trailer voice. Holy fuck! Okay, so just to give us some background on who is in this film, Mark Dacascos. Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, yeah. He's also, he's a stunty on Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, okay. And yeah. Sabotage. Kadeem Hardison, who looks very familiar um, from Gunman and a Vampire in Brooklyn. Yes. Fuck, I want to watch all of these. Drive. There ain't no cruise control. Get ready for the ride of your life. The year is 2008. As m- The year is 2008. That's the future, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's the future. Is that what you meant? Yes. yes. It's the future, Brody. Don't read the rest of it. Oh, can I look at the pickies, though? Look at the pictures. Don't read the blurb because the blurbs are always spoilery because I want you to watch the movie. Oh, fuck. I love this, dude. We've been watching. So there's a a new Iron Chef on Netflix. I have to pick. This one. We don't even know what the other one is yet. There's a new Iron Chef on Netflix, and we yeah, we've been watching it, and so good. uh, Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good fun. It's Iron Chef. Has it got that guy in it? Yeah, it's got it's got Mark Dacascos as the chairman. Well, the 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 chairman's so nice. He was named twice. The well, he's the chairman's uh, nephew. Ah, because in the in the plot of Iron Chef, yeah. He is the nephew of the original chairman from the Japanese show from the 1980s. Ah, but he's not really, though. No. No. Right, cool. I was just checking. All just right. in the mythology <laughs> of Iron Chef. Cool. And second on the list, Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> I knew we were going to do that. What's funny is that, is that I know that that's a bit. Yeah. It's from Family Guy, right? Yeah. I've never fucking seen it. <laughs> but I know that bit. He just keeps you know kicking why? people and going, Roadhouse. You know why? Why? Because dickheads like you do that bit every time somebody <laughs> mentions the movie Roadhouse. It's so addictive. Roadhouse starring Patrick Swayze. Am I allowed to know what it's about? Oh, yeah, because there's just a massive block of text on the back and there's no tagline. Yeah, it just um, says Roadhouse. That doesn't tell me anything. So Roadhouse, an alternate title would be Zen and the Art of Bar Bouncing. Okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Have is you, he, have I've you never seen, seen it. Oh, my God, I'm so excited it. for you, So is he actually a bouncer? He's a bouncer. Oh, no wonder. He's the world's most philosophical bouncer. Oh, that is a great, like, Alternate title for this film, then. Yeah, I know. Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze plays a bouncer with a difference in this fast-paced action film. Uh, Yeah, we're going to go Roadhouse. Oh, oh, just straight in. Oh, my God. You're ruthless. No fucking around. Yeah, oh, fucking great pick, yo, but drivers next week. Yeah, I figured. (laughs) Why? Why Roadhouse? I don't want to watch. Watch another action movie, like a. Oh, and this is like a quality. Yeah, film. I'm sure it is, but it's also it feels like that's going to have you know cute characters and some sort of subplot that I might enjoy. This is like, like a, a known film. You've heard of it, and right? I've heard of it, so yeah. I feel like I should have seen it. And yeah. he's excited, and yes. and I feel fairly confident that Drive will get another shot. Okay, Drive's definitely getting wow. another shot. Strong choice. Okay, yep, Roadhouse. Fuck yeah. Fucking great. I'm so excited that you have not seen Roadhouse. Oh, dude, there's so many films I mean, I'm like Roadhouse. You, I'm excited that you have not seen Roadhouse as well, but yeah. I feel like this is going to be your- It's one of those films that like, it's not even one that I 
feel like I have seen. It's one of those ones that I should have seen so many fucking times yeah. and just haven't. What's really interesting is that Roadhouse is an MGM movie. Mm. MGM was bought by Amazon Prime. Mm. Last week they announced they are doing a remake of Roadhouse for Who's- Amazon Prime with Jake Gyllenhaal oh in the Patrick Swayze role. Intriguing. Oh my God. And anything that man does, I'm in love with. Oh my God. That's going to be an interesting thing to have in the back of your head as you watch this. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. There is a Roadhouse 2. There is a direct-to-video Roadhouse 2. That not is like With Swayze? Not, no. Swayze had passed away so. by the time that happened. It is one of the reasons that I pulled it out of, out of the store because I was like, well, we should- talk about Roadhouse before the new Roadhouse comes. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and also like Amazon Prime bought MGM so that they could access all their IP. Yeah, So man. They, they bought MGM so that they could remake all the things that are in the MGM library. A lot of the Canon library is part of the MGM library. You think they're going to remake Canon movies? I think they're going to remake Canon movies. I mean, there's some wild premises that are Canon movies, right? For, for yeah. streaming, when Amazon wants to court a filmmaker, and that filmmaker goes, well, I want to remake a Canon movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that, yeah. Happen- that happens, right? Yeah, that's true. That's the show for this week. Come back next week or don't come back next week for Roadhouse. Don't like, don't subscribe, don't follow us on our social media. Get the fuck off the internet. No, At but, Weird Kid Video. But do, do, do all those things that Keen said not to because we would really appreciate it. And I'll tell you my deepest, darkest fears and kiss you. He's just, just upping the ante I each am. time and we still haven't got any new reviews. So <laughs> yeah, come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I'll start selling bits of me. How much more does Brody need to debase himself other than how he already does on the podcast? Because I will write do a it. fucking review. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, that's it. We're out. And the bastards have landed. I knew you were going to do that. See. <laughs> <laughs>